Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast. The year is 2011. It sure is. This is the podcast where we whack on our time ray bands and travel back to a year in the past, 2011 in this case, and have a look at it through the lens of what was number one on the ARIA charts uh, that year and ask uh, what the fuck was going on. Exactly. Mm. That's right. 2011. It seems. Um so long ago, yet so recent <laughs> at the same time, doesn't it? It sure does. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, in some ways, some people might say it was 11 years ago. Those people would be cruel. Yeah, look. It, uh, they would also probably point out how old and fat I am. Oh, look, it's unfair. I people choose to ignore those people. Yeah, exactly right. Look, um, it's, it's a great year in terms of um, culture, what I'm learning, um, just from <laughs> off the back of... Uh, these songs. Um, I mm. don't, usually, you know, we like to shit on a lot of the songs, Tom, but there's not a bad one amongst them this year, <laughs> from, from, as far as I can tell. They all look very, very good. Um, uh, a lot of great, big, huge number ones. Oh, for, for sure. Year. Some Probably. years you just get little fragments all year, but this was yep. a year of big hits. One of my favourite years for some time, Tom, but not just in music. Um, can you tell me anything that was going on in the world, sure. be it the big films... Other cultural touchstones, sure. You know, current events. What what was going on? What was going on? What was happening? Well, if you cast your mind back uh, eleven whole years ago, seems like yesterday. But um, yeah, a tsunami off the coast of Japan uh, hit Iwati Prefecture with 130 foot high waves, and led to a meltdown of the Fukushima reactor. Mm. Uh, Sixteen thousand people are estimated to have died. Three thousand went missing, and Japan's love affair with all things nuclear came to an end. Oh no. Shame because up till then they'd been the best of friends. They had um, been, yeah. I think some parts of uh, Fukushima Prefecture are still annexed off. Like you can't go there, yeah, even even to this day. So it got a bit Chernobyl. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, it's pretty grim. Are oh, the on slightly more fun note, the Arab Spring took place. Oh, that was that was fun. The world's first social media facilitated international revolution. Yeah, and not a brand of mineral water as I had first thought. <laughs> Uh, Gaddafi got the old dictator heave-ho that's a gruesome death on cell phone camera. Yeah. And fighting began in Syria that the West would guide to a peaceful end. Just kidding, we let Assad use chemical weapons on his own people and let Russia bomb anyone they felt like. Apparently, we're okay with that now. Yeah. Uh, on a slightly more positive note, Osama bin Laden got the Gaddafi treatment as well and oh, was finally yeah. caught and killed in Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, in pop culture news, his home was found to contain a huge collection of Western movies and music. Yeah. Uh, a recent reading uh, by Bin Laden's former living girlfriend, Cola Booth. <laughs> Great name. Is that Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> it's just spelled Booth as in B double O F. Oh, good, good. Like the football player of yep. legend. Uh, from her new book, Diary of a Lost Girl, shed some light on the sort of music Bin Laden had on his iPod. Mm. 
Both wrote that Bin Laden would become this devout party boy who wanted to hear Van Halen or some B-52s. Sweet. Uh, the song still haunt her. To this day, I still hear the song Rob- Rock Lobster in My Sleep, she wrote. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. The artist with the most five-star ratings on his iPod would surely be Whitney Houston. He said that he had a paramount desire for Whitney Houston, and although he claimed music was evil, he spoke of someday spending vast amounts of money to go to America and try to arrange, remain, try to arrange a meeting with the superstar. Wow. Um, yeah, around about this time, it probably would have been a bit easier to do that than it would have been five years ago. Yeah. Uh, if he was willing to bring some of the local uh, flora with him along the way. But um, anyway, apparently his favourite American TV shows were The Wonder Years, Miami Vice, and MacGyver. Good. <laughs> a man with taste. Yeah. According to recently declassified Navy SEAL documents, uh, when the compound was breached, Bin Laden was cranking the bodyguard soundtrack while trying to fashion a copy of the Quran, two burkas and a clothes horse into an escape hang glider. <laughs> uh, when confronted, he reached for a PVC spud cannon and was shot through the tea towel to the mournful strains of I'm Every Woman. Uh, it's, I mean, what, it's, it's what a, a way tough to way to go, you know. Absolutely. Look, the thing about that is that um, it's just lucky for Whitney Houston that it's sort of it was sort of someone that had a bit of distance from her in the sense that if you're, say, uh, a South Korean pop star and uh, Kim Jong-il was like, I'm a big fan of her, there's a very real chance you'd be abducted. <laughs> That's it true. just sort of send someone <laughs> yes. over, you know, give you some yeah. drugs. Next thing you know, you're in the, you know, the, the old hermit kingdom That's and right. you're there forever. <laughs> just whereas at least with Whitney, you know, Obama, you know, Osama yeah, bin Laden didn't have did not extend. That no, far. he wasn't able to just go and you know kidnap. <laughs> um, he probably could have got Bobby Brown, I think, uh, <laughs> on the right day and the right drugs. I think because you know mm. they do have a lot of uh, heroin handy, um, sort yeah. of in, in neighbouring um, Afghanistan. Well, so. I mean, if you look it up, they don't pub- they don't like to publicise this, but much, but. Your big bands, your big, especially your big sort of classic rock bands, your Eagles, the Rolling Stones, etc. Nearly all of them have several uh, low key performances that they have done for just incredibly rich, weird foreigners or yep. Saudi princes or dubious Eastern European warlords and so forth. Who've just said, "I'll oh, we'll give you a million bucks if you yeah. play for my son's bucks night oh, or something." Exactly you know, right. I'll just literally, I'll fly you here on a private plane. You play one night, you go home. We'll give you a million dollars. I mean, what's wrong know, with that? Oh, that they're a killer. They have <laughs> war crimes. <laughs> yeah, look, I kind of wish. This is what I mean. They don't publicise this no, too much, but I, I kinda, it does happen. Look, I really wish that um, Osama bin Laden was alive today, just because I feel like he's one person that could settle the debate once and for all. Um, who was the better Van Halen frontman? David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar, I think that mm. Bin Laden, if he came in and said, <laughs> I'm a DLR man, I think everyone would be like, okay, that yeah. settles that then. You know, he's, you know, basically yep. <laughs> one of the most famous people around, infamous. He says DLR, it's DLR all the way. But look, we'll never know, I guess. Um, in movie news, uh, the top 10 films of the year were. Uh, finally, we finally got over the stupid bloody sequels thing that plagued the orts. Good. And got into some more original territory. Uh, they are coming down. Uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. It's a sequel to a sequel. Uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Yep. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Kung Fu Panda 2. Good. Uh, Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. Yep. Fast and the Furious 5. Uh-huh. The Hangover Part 2. Yep. Uh, the Smurfs. Oh, that's an original one. It's, <laughs> yep. it's the first part of something. Uh, Cars 2 and the forgotten uh, 
3D cartoon Rio. Oh, it's yeah. about two parrots that fell in love. <laughs> so that's a twenty uh, percent original movies rate there. And even and of one those of two, yes, <laughs> the one of them is a fucking what. 40-year-old cartoon from Belgium. Really? But, I just thought they, they knocked that out, you know, the year before. Wasn't that the original <laughs> idea? No, the only reason I bring this up is because, once again, I have to say, I dare you to name a single song from any no, of those films. No, there's no song. It's yep. just the era of the film songs has just been and gone. So Hollywood's been dog shit for some time then, Tom. It's not a recent phenomenon. It's <laughs> sort of... Look at what's out of the movies. It doesn't mean they don't produce anything good. It just means that the shit that the public turns out to see, you know, is, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is, is, you know, weird. I mean, and then you think, well, maybe it's because of what people want to watch in China. But then you have to ask yourself, is China really into fucking... The Smurfs? They love it. Hangover Part 2, you know? I doubt it. Fast and the Furious 5, maybe they are. Maybe they love the Fast and the Furious franchise, I think they do. Big Vin Diesel fans, (laughs) I hear, over in China. So, is that what we're going to find out when Xi Jinping dies, that he was a huge Vin Diesel fan? Like, someone's (laughs) going to crack open the old safe and it's just going to be a Fast and the Furious box set. Chronicles (laughs) of Riddick, just there. He's going to love all that, so... The only thing, the only one I could think of from any of those was, was Dark Side of the Moon, the one that had um, what was it Lincoln Park in it oh yeah maybe I don't know I'll have to have a look that at Lincoln it, it Park came up earlier on one of the earlier episodes it was uh, yeah their, their big one of their big movie hits yeah good good I mean it could have been Lincoln Biscuit. they're basically interchangeable they are alright well that's enough about fucking movies um, yeah move on to the tunes the tunes fantastic 2011 first number one for the year Tom for one week it's uh, oh fuck it's Grenade Bruno Mars sure we, talked, talk, about, we talked about that last yes. week it's back someone yep. said we need more of that shit um, you may recall at the very end of last year um, Guy Sebastian who's that girl Yep. So Bruno's back for another week. People went, we need more of that shit. Um, anything else you need to say about Bruno or this song? Uh, which chick would you jump on a grenade for, Ben? Um, proclaiming that he would do in that song. Um, probably yeah. Alyssa Milano, I think. Uh, sort so, of charmed era. Charmed era. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Not who's the boss era. That's, that's obviously sort of creepy. That's sort of Jeffrey Epstein territory. I don't think but. I ever watched an entire episode of Charmed, but every time I would switch past it, uh, it would seem to involve, especially towards the later years, Yep. and there were years of Charmed, <laughs> it seemed to involve Alyssa Milano being magically forced into an increasingly uh, revealing series of outfits. Yeah. Yeah, they, I remember a friend of mine, she would say, you'd watch the first three minutes and you'd know whether it was a boob tube episode, a midriff <laughs> episode, or they, like, all of them would either have to wear a midriff revealing top, like a boob tube or some yep. sort of cleavage thing. It was like, it was a, one mm. of those sort of things. So she's like, oh, it looks like it's a, it's a midriff episode this week. So And then they brought in, uh, what was her name? Um, uh, ex-girlfriend of Marilyn Manson. Oh yeah, yeah. Famed yeah. Weinstein victim just to bulk up the the hotness of it, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they got rid of that chick that was on like. Uh, did they get rid of <laughs> Shannon Doherty? I think she had to. She she was out. Might have been. Got, and yeah. they got in that other chick. Yeah, anyway. So anyway, but, yeah. for sure. What about you, Tom? Any who who would you jump on a grenade for? 
Uh, a list of the lineup. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> of course. I'll think about it. I'll get back to you. Yep. I'm sure Bruno Mars has got a few takers. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so that was just for one week. Um, fortunately, we've already touched on that. So up next, uh, the first new song of the year. Oh, actually, no, fuck. It's um, Guy Sebastian again with Who's That Girl? Oh, he's back, back for another week. week. Fucking oath, okay. Jesus. <laughs> so it's that old Bruno guy. It's the, it's the Bruno Mars Guy Sebastian battle of 2010-11 that no one really talks about mm. these days. But that was mm. they were fighting heavily. <laughs> Head to head, who's he? You know, people would turn on the TV. Who's he going to be this week? Bruno or it's Guy? True. Bruno or Guy? Back and forth, back and forth. Um, so, seventeenth of Jan, we finally. Sorry, you don't have anything else to say about that, guys. No, no, no. Yet. We talked about them all last week. Um, all right, first new song of the year is it? Yes, it is. Um, Winter Gordon, Tom, with Dirty Talk. Mm, wow. A racy start to the year. Absolutely. Now, Winter Gordon, if you're unfamiliar with her work, um, and, and I certainly wasn't, to tell you the truth, Tom, uh, <laughs> Winter's spelt W-Y-N-T-E-R. Mm, so if you're jumping mm. onto Google to find out a bit more about Winter Gordon, make sure you do that, because um, otherwise you may just end up on a Wikipedia page about the season winter. <laughs> you'll be like, oh, what? Uh, you know, there's nothing about any pop stars in here sure. whatsoever. You'll be wasting your time. So look, uh, first new number one for 2011. As I said, haven't heard this before in my life. I'm not sure how I missed this at the time. No, but me too. It's, um, it is, I'm going to class this, Tom, as Rihanna Light Eurodance pop action. Mm. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. Really, really channeling some of that sexy Rihanna Eurodance work that she was doing at the time. So she's certainly feeling that. Now, the song itself, Tom, um, it's called Dirty Talk. So we've got Dirty Talk on there. Not only does Winter want um, Dirty Talk, i.e. Her, winter can talk dirty. Yeah. She also is happy to be spoken to in a dirty manner. There's a bit of that two-way yep. dirty talk. But she also advises the lyric, uh, the listener through the lyrics that she's no angel yep. and wants them to do some dirty things to her. That's mm-hmm. effectively the lyrics here. So then she proceeds to list all the dirty things that she wants done to her. That that's, makes up the lyrics of yep. this song effectively. So, look, um, some are more sensual, you know, champagne in a bubble bath. Is that dirty per se? I wouldn't say so. It's like no. Whereas, um, yeah, exactly. Champagne in the bubble bath—that's just a you know Wednesday night. Whereas, uh, tag team suggests she wants to be banged by several dudes at the same time. Yes. Which you know you would say fits into the dirty category. <laughs> so some of the things are less dirty than others. So it's not—they're not the same thing though. You know, if no. she rings you up and says, "Hey, you want to come over tonight?" I thought you know might run a bubble bath. I've got some champagne <laughs> in the fridge. Versus, "Hey, you want to come over tonight?" I thought we could bang, and I've invited. Three three, four other dudes over as well to bang me also. It's sort yeah. of like, you know, the first one, like, that sounds good. The other one's sort of, I know oh, that's mean. weird as hell. Like, so, she also mentions, for instance, cherry popping. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that's not really the kind of thing you can idly recreate no. anytime you want to while trying to rekindle the magic. Unless she means, like, role-playing where you both lose 15 kilos, draw acne on each other with a red sharpie, and then have weird half-clothed sex in a room next door to your parents or something like that. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. Not, I don't know if that's a fetish that people. <laughs> it clearly is because it's listed. Unless she this. is actually a virgin still. But this yeah, is, maybe. You know, you maybe, know, maybe that's or true. Or maybe she's on the hunt for fifteen-year-olds. She might be you know? Madonna style. <laughs> Madonna she might be style. exactly right. We don't. Well, really according to Madonna, it was great, except he gave her crabs. He did give her crabs. Yeah, so exactly. So this is one of those incredibly experienced virgins with crabs that yeah. you, you hear about. Yeah, yeah. So look, Tom, I thought we'd go through the lyrics. Um, sure. She mentions all the shit in there. You can advise me whether they fit into the dirty category or not. <laughs> sure. um, Kitten heels, just like just high ugly heels. Ugly shoes. Yeah, 
They're not even high heels, they're low heels. They're low heels, yeah, that's what I was, yeah, they're like a low heel, so <laughs> that's clearly not dirty. Lingerie, that's pretty stock standard, isn't it? I mean, for the sure. course. Pantyhose. That's not even... This is a work, just work attire <laughs> in the winter. Really. Foreplay? I mean, no, you'd hope so. Unless you bloody Teo Cruz. Legs up on the bar, now... <laughs> I mean, I need more information, but if she's at the bar and she's got her legs up on the bar and some dude's eating her out on the bar, mm. then yeah, that's dirty. Yeah. So I'm going to say... Especially if the bar's open at the time. Oh, exactly yeah. right. In the back or of your car? Bar. I mean, milk bar would be... Yeah. That'd be fairly kinky. Yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> Dicking in the back of the car. Eh. Yeah. Latex. I don't know. Sure. Maybe. I mean, if you're fully covered in it, yes. Yeah. If it's a condom, then no, not that's, really. That's fine. It's just safe sex, isn't it? Champagne, no, it's not. That's regular. Bubble bath, regular. Whipped cream, um, if it's on a dessert, that's fine. <laughs> if she's got one of those cans in America, she's sticking it up her asshole, perhaps that's dirty. Sure. Uh, cherry pop, as you said. Was it cherry popping or cherry... I don't know, cherry pop? Is it? Is well, it like, it's the same, isn't it, really? It's well, I didn't know whether she meant like sort of a, a cherry uh, Coca-Cola type <laughs> beverage, just pumping one of those out of the kids. It's like, oh, I've got some bubble bath and I've, you know, I've got some champagne and the dude's like, oh, I don't drink and it's like, oh, I've got this cherry cola and I wasn't sure. Tag team, clearly, you know, five dudes on Winter Gordon is, is dirty. Mm-hmm. Blindfold. I mean, sort of. Yeah. It's a little bit kinky. Feather bed. That's not kinky at all. No. It's just a Tickle me? Uh-huh. No. Slippery? <laughs> Maybe. Is it like, you mean it's like a Bon Jovi slippery when wet type situation? I mean, um, if sex isn't slippery at all, then I would say, you know, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. G-spot. Um, sure. sure. Nasty pose in a video. So she's making a porno. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If okay. it's not a music video, no, then yes. that's dirty. Sure. Love machine by myself. Um, so she's got that Rihanna dildo that we've spoken about. <laughs> sure. She's working that on herself. That could be dirty. Climax. It's not dirty. No. Dirty. Hot hot wax. Sure. I mean, as seen in the Madonna film, Body of yep. Evidence, uh, dripped sexually all over, fucking world. Yeah. Stallion uh, Willem Dafoe, the, the the guy the ladies all want to see. That's true. The naked torso yep. of. S&M on the floor Yeah I guess The floor of where Food court Certainly dirty I would have thought Um, S&M on the wall Would be Even kinkier But sure And then she just says I like it hardcore Which is like Fair enough So look I think the the Dirty ratio there It's Mm. what Less than 50% I know Um, Not many people know this But there is An extended mix Available on the Japanese import CD Jesus uh, That has an extra verse Where she fills in Some blanks there Okay Um, Finally Arseless jorts Water sports, scat porn, Red Dawn. Uh, I think she just likes watching Red Dawn. <laughs> yeah. uh, live sheep crotching, Gary watching, Screaming Eagle, Adventurous Beagle, uh, Glass Top Table, Auntie Mabel, Toilet Stalls, Stomping on Your Balls, Incest Necro, Whips and Chains, Pregnant Ladies with Menstrual Pains. Okay. I think it was at that point that the management of the band Mr. Bungle got involved <laughs> and they decided to cut the song down a bit uh, just in case they sued them. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's good good to know that she sort of ramped up the dirty component there because the first bit was mm. just like bubble bath and fucking cherry cola. I hate when artists cola. get censored, you know, and oh, you know, exactly. their vision is forced to be toned down. Yeah. So, look, we know that she likes it dirty. Clearly, it's the name of the song. But what else do we know about Winter Gordon outside of that? Well, look, she um, she started writing songs for other people. Oh, yeah. That was her, her into the industry, including some industry heavyweights, Flow Rider. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, 
friend of the podcast. <laughs> that was uh, her international breakthrough featuring on the track Sugar, which reached the top 10 in many countries. Oh, okay. But only number 20 in Australia. We didn't care for it for some reason. And um, she also worked with David Guetta and Jennifer Lopez writing songs for those guys. Oh, okay. So she penned some hits, yep. as people tend to do. And then she said, fuck this, I want to be not only the songwriter, but I want to be the person performing it, get a bit of that fame myself. So she did one album, uh, her one and only album, which was called With uh, With the Music I Die. Um, Very dramatic. (laughs) Um, But don't worry, she hasn't died with the music. She's just gone back to writing for other artists, Tom. So Mm, Beyonce, um, and she's released a few singles and, and EPs over the years. So yeah. She's a one-hit wonder, I guess, technically in terms yeah. of her solo output, but she still writes for other people, and she's probably said, you know what, happy to just take a back seat, write the songs, let that royalty money come on in, and I'm good to go. So, yeah. I mean, judging from the video, like, to this, anyway, she's got sort of... She's a very attractive young woman, yep. but, like, she doesn't seem to have that kind of X-factor. She doesn't quality. have the X-factor, yeah. no. And yeah. if she had have gone on the X-factor, they would have said to her, you don't have that X-factor. Oh, on the X-factor, she, she would had have the, X-factor, the yeah. you know, they'd go, you're a professional, what are you doing on here? You yep. could actually get a job, so go and do that instead of this shit. That's true. Look, I think a part of this is the Holly Valance effect, Tom, where, um, as you recall, Holly <laughs> Valance got her cans out and went all in on the first single and she had nowhere else mm, to go um, with the laser lights. You know, I think with this, like... <laughs> Winter Gordon, she's talked about how dirty she is. She's laid it all out on the table and people went, I know everything about this woman now. There's nothing else I could, you know, whatever yeah. song she did after that, people are just like thinking, no, she just likes getting double teamed in the spa. So it's a risky you know, throw of the dice, isn't it? It, it is. She rolled the dice and that's it. But look, she's yeah. still writing for Beyonce, good to go. Oh, sure. Um, she explained in the interview that her lyrics are a product, the lyrics to this song, a product of her and her co-writer just, quote, goofing off in the studio. Sure. <laughs> so it came about when a friend and I were in the studio just joking, laughing, pulling up words on the computer from different sites. Mm-hmm. What are the, what sites exactly? <laughs> I'm not really sure. It was meant to be more of a joke than a real song. Just happened to come out great. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you say so. Yeah, so there you go. For the UK release of the song, some of the lyrics were re recorded due to the song's sexual nature being deemed too rude for daytime listening and viewing. Only this version of the single has been used for radio play and music channels. So, there you go. She, the UK just went, I'm sorry, this is too much. <laughs> You're going to have to tone this down a bit. So, um, Weird standards to the UK, they're yeah, a bit they all over the place. You know, yeah. They're fine with some stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So, look, anyway, you come out talking about how you like it hardcore. The UK is going to be like, no, we don't want any part of that. We're going to have something else. Uh, music video, kind of a bit uninspiring. It's just a white background with Winter Gordon in a series of different outfits. Yeah, it's pretty dull. Yep. I mean, and similarly, the song isn't as musically isn't as interesting or as sexy as the lyrics would suggest. No. Really, it's just a sort of basic, inoffensive 2011 club track. Yeah. Like you say, I mean, it's the sort of 2011 Eurodance equivalent. I mean, that said, it could be a lot worse. Like, there's no auto-tune that I could detect. No. Air horns, there's no Will I Am narrating the latest leg in his 15 years late ecstasy journey. I mean, I'd probably dance to this if it came on. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's terrible. It's just sort of... No, it's not terrible. Yeah. It's just sort of um, unfortunately Unremarkable. when you're going for a sort of Rihanna vibe. Um, yeah, and you've got these you're... white hot sexy lyrics about all you know yeah. how you like to the whole of boys to men to you know run a train on you in a bubble yeah. bath. Then exactly. and you've got this kind of slightly bland 
thing. Like, yeah. For sure, yeah. There's just better tracks in this style out there, I think. So, um, yeah, that's all we're going to hear about winter. Mm. What about the lyrical spotlight, or have we got that covered? I think we've covered it pretty yep. well. Uh, Fair enough. That deleted verse. <laughs> I would have, if, yeah, I would have been interesting to compare the, the original and the UK. I'm guessing the one we watched was the original pre UK, but yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It had all the dirty shit in there, I think, so I'm not sure. But anyway, so thanks, Winter, um, for your contribution to the podcast. Mm. Maybe we'll hear from you again. I'm not sure. I'll keep my <laughs> eyes peeled for any Beyonce tracks that may have a right yeah, credit for you a, on there. It's so. a name that sticks in your head. Yeah, absolutely right. So get back to the old bubble bath. And sure. So that was three weeks. Who have we got up next? Well, Seven up next, February. speaking of um, that song being Rihanna Oh, Light, I forgot to ask about um, bloody... Spotify and stuff. Oh, geez, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I don't. We don't think have I... to do that this week. <laughs> if you don't I... have the figures, it's all right. I actually don't. I don't have the don't have the winning no, 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 figures. That's fine. But it's all right. um, I assume they're they're low. All right, who have we got next? Sorry, about um, but the problem with that is that we are getting to that point where these CD singles are worth um, extremely large sums of money. So yeah, um, look, maybe I can I can look into that <laughs> um, in a second. But um, look, up next we've got um, not uh, the poor man's Rihanna. We've got the actual Rihanna mm. with her song Tom S and M. Oh, yeah, this was one of her big hits. Yeah. Now, in my memory, this was I remembered this being off her edgy, bloody rated R album because it makes sense that it would be, but it's not. No. This is not off that. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, look, good to see Rihanna getting in on a bit of uh, S&M, the old symphony in Metallica. <laughs> so, I assume that's what this song's about. Is mm, that correct? Mm, um, I was hoping that and then I remembered that I didn't like that album at all and no, it's so terrible. I, I downgraded my expectations and was pleasantly surprised. Exactly right. So no it's not Rihanna um doing her uh tribute to Metallica, fortunately. It is an actual song that she's written and done herself. And um well when I say written herself, I think written in collaboration <laughs> with other people. But look, as we mentioned last week, the best art Tom is always mm-hmm. ambiguous. So you know, we looked at last week and we were yep. able to ascertain Rude Boy. We didn't know. When we got to the end of our discussion, we weren't sure whether Rude Boy was a song about Rihanna seeking a man that was, you know, both able to sustain an erection and sustain an erection of a size that was able to satisfy her, or whether it was a song about Rihanna seeking a man that was open to being anally penetrated by Rihanna wearing a strap on dildo. <laughs> we just weren't sure. No. We thought about it, we discussed it, we didn't know. And the best art, as we say, is always ambiguous. And the same can be said with this week's Rihanna entry. Ambiguous, all the same. Hmm. Is this a song about literal S&M? <laughs> or is it more of a metaphorical song about her love-hate relationship with the media, particularly the music media? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. I hmm. I was going to pose you a question, yeah. you know, just in return. Uh, speaking of ambiguity, uh, is the reason that this song works quite well because it sounds very similar to several other songs? Oh, it's, uh, particularly it's Lady Gaga, particularly Poker Face and Just Dance, which it sounds pretty much like a cross between. Have uh, has Rihanna been using Will Am's trademarked A B method of songwriting? Do you think, <laughs> where when you're trying to write a song in the vein of one thing, you just play that in the background and then. Uh, inspired by it until your song sounds uncannily like that. Look, it's difficult to know whether 
you know, Rihanna was a being, but certainly <laughs> the songwriters of this song probably yeah, were just digging up some of their old material. It's not her, let's face and, it. And uh, just recycling the living shit out of that because all yeah, I can no, say is her. that, um, look, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan, um, don't get me wrong, of Rihanna, but uh, musically this is um, certainly... Very derivative of yeah. some of your other work. There's a couple of songs this year that are like that, where you find yourself thinking, it was around this... I mean, it's not, it's worse now because people have started using the word interpolated, which just basically means we Ripped can off. sue yep. you for anything. Yep. It doesn't you know it doesn't even have to be a sample or anything. But, like, it was still a risky proposition to put someone else's stuff into your song. So then you find yourself thinking, well, if you're going to copy a musical, like a sequence of notes or something like that, or... A, then don't copy the exact production style of that no, song. No, yeah. Or vice versa. If you're going to rip off the exact production style of a Lady Gaga song, then make sure you don't use yeah, also a melody that sounds exactly like fucking... progression, like, yeah, You correct. can have one or the other, but there's another song that does the same fucking thing this year. But yep. yeah, I mean, I guess pre-Robin Thicke, it was a little bit less risky, but still, I mean, they really were fucking cruising pretty close to the line with some of these songs yeah I, th- I think when I listened to this the first thing I thought was um, Lady Gaga yeah Just Dance um, Poker Face era that yeah. sort of thing I, I just assumed it must be bloody Max Martin and one yeah, of her yeah. producers but it's not it's no. just they must have just really liked that fucking sound I guess exactly so Look, the song itself, as I mentioned, we're not quite sure exactly what this is about, but mm. Rihanna would tell you that the song's only superficially about sex, this is what she had to say. <laughs> sure. Um, only superficially, and is inspired by her, quote, sodomasochistic relationship with the press. It isn't just about a bunch of whips and chains. <laughs> the song can be taken very literally, but it's actually a very metaphorical song. So, Tom, you can take it literally... But it's a metaphorical well, song. That's it's why about I the come love to Rihanna. It's yeah, of the subtextual yeah. thematic complexity that she it's brings about, to the song. It's about the love-hate relationship with the media and how sometimes the pain is pleasurable. We feed off it, or I do, and it was a very personal message that I was trying to get across. <laughs> so if you're writing a song about the media's relentless pursuit of a story and comments about your overtly sexual image and lyrics, mm. then I think using such lyrics as because I may be bad, but I'm perfectly good at it. Sex in the air, I don't care, I love the smell of it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but whips and chains excite me. Then I think that, you know, it's definitely the way to go because you're steering them off course. They're like, mm, wait a minute, she isn't right. so sexual. That's right. It's a completely different thing. I thought I had a handle on this song, but these lyrics, they're just so obtuse and, you know, indeed. complex that I'm confused as to yep. what she could have meant. No, no, indeed. <laughs> so, the video was banned in 11 countries, um, mostly Southeast Asia, for being too sexual. Yeah. And, the, and the BBC refused to play the song before 7pm, so they had to come up with an edited version titled Come On, which was made for the daytime radio. Maybe that... Ah, uh, the song. Yep. Yeah. I looked... The video is on YouTube, and yep. frankly, it's not really that edgy at all. No. Unless there's some secret, you know, fucking uncensored version. But yep. if there was, I couldn't find it. Um, like, look, I mean, it's it's less it's less sexy than Umbrella, really. Like, yeah. That was, what five years ago? 
I'm not sure whether they had to ban it because it featured Perez Hilton on a leash. I'm not sure whether that was part of it. He was like a dog. I don't know whether that was part of it. Um, then that timestamps the video to the early 2010s. Oh, Christ, on a having bike it does. Sure. But um, look, her outfits are generally in line with other music videos. Yeah. I guess she's tied up for a part of it. Sort a little of. bit. I mean, yeah, but there's sort of vague know. allusions to S. I think, her, I think her hands are tied together in a yeah. bit. It's like, okay, there you go. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, shit gets banned on some website. It said Rihanna. The, the video was edgy because Rihanna appears nude in the video, and I'm like, I don't think she does. Not that I saw. I, mean, I, I, watched, it, I watched it fairly carefully. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, she was nude. She Just was nude for, in the, for professional yeah. reasons. I, I rewatched it a couple of times. Yeah. You know, she was nude in the umbrella one with that silver paint. So I'm yeah. not sure, unless there was an edited one. You know, maybe yeah, the one I'm watching on YouTube was edited. I'm not yeah. sure, but it didn't seem to be too racy. I don't know. Anyway, look, uh, this is Rihanna's 10th US number one mm. single at the age of 23. Um, yep. Very impressive. Breaking a record previously held by Mariah Carey, who scored her 10th uh, number one at the age of 25. This surprises me, as I assume Aaron Carter would have hit 10 number ones by the <laughs> age of 12, but um, I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, I was just going to say that video... Sorry, I missed that. I just, it really, to me, it was another of, I think I said this last time, but I know this is an unpopular opinion, but mm. I, I just don't, it's another one of her kind of random sort of erratic videos. Yeah. Like, as, like, like, as usual, she's dressed in cool fashion, yes. but the actual video looks like some bad cross between sort of early Lady Gaga and late 90s Hype Williams. Yeah. At one point, she's in a press conference where all the press have ball gags in their mouth and she's up on a sort of piss-weak little platform thing, sort of loosely duct-taped to the wall behind <laughs> yeah. her under a bit of old plastic sheeting like yep. a painter's drop cloth. It looks like they thought of the idea with half an hour before the camera crew were going to arrive and just Madge the intern said, shit, I guess I could run down to that strip mall next door. They've got a dildo shop and a plumbing wholesaler. I'll see what I can come up with yep. before they get here. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe she likes these videos. Maybe she likes these kind of... Slightly scattered videos. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. I, I think um, it always comes back to uh, that thing that Noel Gallagher said once about music videos, that every music <laughs> video director you come across thinks they're making Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And it's really just a load of nonsense. So often it's like... <laughs> Just ideas are plenty. What if you buy, What if you're behind a sheet, a plastic sheet? Yeah, yeah let's film like that. Metaphor, what yeah. if you've got a bo- a gag in your mouth? What if your hands? What if you're fucking drilling something into a tree? And it's just like all these. Yeah. And I think we we saw a bit of that with some of those pink video clips recently, where it's just a yeah. random sequence of weird bullshit that's the, the, structured together, and it's like, oh, what the hell's going on with that? Yeah, I, I agree. Although. The thing with the pink videos is she always uses the same person. Yeah. So true. hers have a sort of consistent visual aesthetic, at least, even if the actual ideas with them are just all over the place. They look similar. Whereas Rihanna's look, the only consistent thing is that she's always wearing weird, cool clothes yep. because she's got great taste in fashion. But then everything else, nothing matches between no. the videos. There's no... Yeah, it's just a fucking random yeah, scattershot thing. But anyway... Exactly. All right, that's enough about that. Um, um, sure. What, it got, what about the lyrics? There must be some, you know, highlights here <laughs> apart from what I've already mentioned. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, this is credited to Esther Dean, oh. who's done a lot of writing and production work with Rihanna, as well as Katy Perry, Usher, Jai Ho, which was number one previously for the Pussycat Dolls. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, and who could forget sex therapy or shaken it? 
Number Four Daddy by Robin Thicke, <laughs> a song that contains the lines, She got me jerking in the back, think I'm about to fall in love, because she made that booty roll when she coming down the pole. Good. Which yes. is about the time he was caught masturbating in a fire station with a giant foam finger, I think, <laughs> uh, shortly before his wife left him. Uh, it's also credited to this song is also credited to Sandy V and our old friends Richard Dean Anderson sorry I meant Stargate <laughs> the Norwegian duo who produced for Beyonce Coldplay and a bunch of Rihanna stuff including Only Girl in the World which we oh, covered yeah. last year uh, Esther Dean wrote the lyrics although the Sticks and Stones bit is some old sleazy joke from God knows when you know like a federal boob inspector shirt or something <laughs> okay. that? I'd, I'd heard that before sticks and stones may break my bones but whips and chains excite me yeah it's, and I, I found myself googling it on the internet trying to find it and it's like you can get it on t-shirts and that sort of thing most of it links to Rihanna now because of how famous oh, she yeah. is but she said Esther Dean said I saw that somewhere and okay. thought it was funny so it sounds like she's used the same writing technique as um, <laughs> a bloody Winter Gordon we've only had two songs this year yeah, and they're both the intensely S&M focused oh, no. some fashion. shit we found on the internet <laughs> yeah, so. that's right that sounded like they were just googling sort of NSFW stuff and got <laughs> ideas for songs exactly the, the bit I thought was weird is the sex in the air don't care I love the smell of it line. Uh, now, yeah. call me Amish, Ben, but is most people's number one favourite thing about sex this smell? Yeah, I'd <laughs> Which say so. smell exactly are we talking about? I don't know. But clearly, uh, Rihanna's into, you know, something. Either that or she's got synesthesia and, I don't know, I'm she not thinks old PVC smells like sure, raspberries or something. Exactly where she was going with that. But, um, look, we'll find out one day, hopefully. <laughs> we'll get her on the podcast and we'll drill down on that and say, sure. what exactly did you mean by the smell of sex? That yeah, you like and, and I mean, to take it even one step further, if we're taking her at her word and this whole thing is a metaphor and not the obvious sleazy S&M thing that it clearly is, then what the fuck is the smell of it? She a likes the smell of the media. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Just those press junkets. She just loves mm. the smell of it. I think, yeah, I, I don't know. So, look, there's, But as we've said, you know, at the very beginning of this, the best art's always ambiguous, Tom. We don't know where Rihanna stands from a lyrical point of view. Um, from a musical point of view, we know that she's just very interested in you know, other people stealing other people's songs, but mm. that's fine. So look, um, yeah, that's that's another good one. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to get the. Uh, no, no, no! Don't worry about it, man. The the, um, the values of some of these things today, but um, look, that's okay. What we'll do is I will I will look them all up and um, <laughs> I'll just edit them all in later. It'll okay. just I'll leave a gap here, and then I'll go twenty six cents. Everyone will love it. All right, cool. Um, anything else to say about that one? No, no. Who have we got next? Um, up next, speaking of um, Lady Gaga's mm. Just Dance knockoff, we've got Lady Gaga <gasps> with Born This Way. Man, these um, two, for the last three years, these two have just been neck and neck, haven't absolutely. they? It's like they're having a dogfight for the number one spot of the yeah. wacky pop PVC wearing number one for sure. Now Lady Gaga's back and she's gone fucking full <laughs> MC Hammer to legit to quit oh, on the music video for this one. So 
we've spoken about some of the music videos in the past that have involved glue-on fucking, you know, lightning yep. bolts and that sort of shit. Um, but this one, there's a dubious backstory, a real fucking dubious yeah, backstory, yeah, yeah. a three-minute intro before the song kicks in about Michael the birth of evil or yep. some shit. Fuck knows what was going on with that. And they'd just handed her a blank check at this stage because yeah. they must have spent an absolute shitload on this. The music video goes for fucking ever I mean, it's and it's true. whack as hell. It's true, but... The difference between, like, at this point, Lady, Gil- as I said, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, they're neck and neck. Yep. So they're probably getting equal production budgets. You know, they're probably just both, you know, their record companies are just going, whatever you want to do, you can do it. And it shows the difference between them because Lady Gaga obviously cares about yep. the music videos. Whereas I get the impression with Rihanna, all she cares about is, do I look good look in good. the video? Anything else that happens is fine. I'll just do whatever you tell me or, you yep. know. Yeah, absolutely. So this is it's bonkers, but it is obviously some weird sort of vision that she's oh, it's got. Fucking ridiculous. Michael, like, like Michael Jackson's later videos, you know, we like. Yep. I do not know what the fuck you were talking about, but it's obviously something that you really want to get off your yeah, chest. Yeah, exactly. You know? For sure. I'm so. going to turn into a panther. I'm yep. going to climb in a car. I'm going to smash the windows, and then I'm going to go rah, and my pants are going to fly off or yep. something. Okay, all right, we'll put that what about What if Simpsons? I team up with my sister and we go on a spaceship and it's going to cost $15 million and they go, whatever you want, whatever you want. Yeah. Now, musically with this one, Tom, mm. um, you did mention that the previous song seemed to share some similarities with some Lady Gaga songs. Well, yeah. this one, I'm not I'm not sure who wrote the Madonna song, Express Yourself, whether it was Madonna herself, whether she wrote it with um, you know some co-writers, some people yeah. wrote it for her. But um, I'm surprised they didn't sue for, copyright, sue for copyright infringement as there's parts of this song that I say sound exactly the fucking same as yeah. Express Yourself through to the, the musical melody yep. and also when she sings the lyrics, the, yep. the lyrical melody that she uses is the same. Exactly. Is the same. Exactly. And I mean, people were already saying that she wanted to be the next Madonna. So yeah. again, you would think that that might be a warning sign to maybe copy from someone less obvious. Oh, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it is... Possibly worth noting that Express Yourself was also, the Madonna one, was also an uncredited homage to the 1971 Staples Singers song, Respect Yourself, ah. which basically has a lo-fi version of the same chorus yep. in a kind of uh, 70s soul thing. On the other hand, uh, this Lady Gaga song also rips off the disco song, Born to be Alive. Mm. So I think Lady Gaga is ahead on unoriginality points, unless you count... Rihanna ripping off Lady Gaga, ripping yep. off Madonna, ripping off the Staples singers, which would put Madonna at the front. Yeah. Which would put Rihanna at the front. Uh, Lady Gaga claimed it was unintentional anyway. Now, whether you think that's bullshit or not, Madonna performed a mashup of the two songs on her 2012 MDNA tour, so she can't have been too upset. No. Unless that was like a trade-off in lieu of legal action. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. But yeah, and I think there's another song of hers called Alejandro, which we might get to if it's a number one, which is also a clear knock Madonna knockoff. Yeah. It's oh, like yes. La, is La Bonita and some other oh, Madonna yes. song. Yeah. Correct, yeah, I do. And again, the video is thematically very similar to... Yeah, because no, they both have that Italian Catholic <laughs> stuff, you know, going on, except Madonna... Yeah. Yeah. The slight virtue of being 20 years ahead of it. So, anyway. look, um, this is her LGBTI uh, plus anthem. Oh, yeah. So, I probably yeah. just a letter out there. Apologies. Um, the title is almost identical to the 1977 um, gay disco anthem, I Was Born This Way. Oh, so, okay. So, she's knocked off the music. <laughs> she's knocked off 
the title mm-hmm. and uh, the lyrics, I think, are probably also knocked <laughs> off from somewhere else. Have you heard so that? Does I it have, sound anything? It doesn't, no, no, it doesn't. Oh, okay. The song doesn't, it's... Yep. It, the, but in this song, she's talking about being born this way. Yeah. So the, well, the, it's, it does sound a lot like Born to be Alive, yeah. which is also a similar title. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So the lyrical theme is, yes. not, is ripped off yeah. um, as well as the music. So, look, she should have just called this song a good cock is hard to find, I think. So That's right. Dialogue, so. That's right. If you um, want to be original. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, look, I guess at the time, probably doing that, you know, sort of the... Uh, this, I guess this is an equality song and you've got to realise that 10 years ago nowhere had you know same sex marriage so at the time yeah, it was kind of like quite I think now if you do like oh equality for you know homosexuals it's like yeah of course like yeah you know, it's I sort think, of whereas at the time it was like oh you know we were still debating about these sorts yeah, of things like Pink last year who had a similar song with a video themed around somewhat around you know marriage equality gay yeah. marriage equality also ahead of her time, she, Lady Gaga, has figured out that it's a, a good way to cement your fan base is to, I, you know, to make them think of themselves as outsiders and you know to reward them from being outsiders and to attract people who feel like outsiders because yes. everybody who's a teenager feels like an outsider basically, and that's mostly who's listening to pop music. And she would she started referring to her uh, fans as little monsters and yep. gave them that this weird hand sign that they do and stuff like that which appears in this video and that sort of thing so yeah like Pink before her she obviously envisages her fans as these sort of outsiders yep. possibly the way she was when she was younger although possibly not it's like I said with Pink it's sort of hard to tell whether it's disingenuous or whether it's legitimate yeah. or, or whether it's Legitimate, like in the sense that she believes that, but it doesn't actually reflect who her fans actually no. are. You know, I, I honestly can't tell. You know, exactly. Now, um, little monsters—is that one of the worst um, <laughs> names going around for the fans? It's like, not great. <laughs> um, you know, the Bayhive. You know, if you're a Beyonce fan, I'd join the Bayhive. It sounds great. It's like Beehive. It sounds like Beehive, doesn't sure. it? But Bayhive because her name's Beyonce. I'm all in for that. Little monsters sounds fucking stupid. <laughs> A lot of them, are, you know, a lot of those fan names where it's like, oh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a believer or whatever the Justin Bieber, Bieber one is. They're all fucking stupid. None of them are any good. So, look. Anyway, regarding this song, Lady Gaga commented, yeah, as you said, about sort of the inclusivity. She wanted to write an anthem that really spoke to people, um, challenged the status yeah. quo, took on political and social ideas, you know, that were deemed were no longer relevant to, you know, a modern society pushed us forward um, as, you know, as a society and sort of tried to progress things. And she referenced artists that did that. Um, en Vogue, Whitney Houston and TLC. That's who she <laughs> mentioned specifically. Some of the most progressive artists in terms of challenging society, pushing things forward, you know, taking those, those ideas and progressing them. You know, some people might cite political artists such as Raise Against a Machine or, you know, The Clash or Bruce Springsteen even, but for me, when I think about political artists, artists that are pushing the boundaries, projecting, getting a cause, and really sort of pushing things as far as they can to sort of help advance society, I think En Vogue, Whitney Houston, TLC, Tom, I assume you're the same. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yep. What was what was En Vogue's big hit? <laughs> what wasn't their big hit? There's so many. There's so many. Um, look... I oh, guess just, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> no, are you looking at me? Right. No, it's okay. 
They was I know they were the they were like the B tier TLC. Oh, they were, they were kind of like yeah. I mean, a, I think they might have been around a little bit before um, TLC. I think yeah, they so, started in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, sorry, uh, that's all right. I'll free your mind. That was it. That's a good song. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Look, they, they've probably got they've probably got a heap of hits. Mm, I'm not sure. Well, but, free your mind. You see, there they were already trying to tell people to you know yeah. beyond the um, yeah absolutely look right. Beyond the, I mean, look. There's no getting around it. Lady Gaga, as you say, she's clearly politically engaged. Uh, yes. Who could forget that time she wore shoes made out of raw meat oh, to the yeah. MTV Awards in order to protest, checks notes, a lack of support for homosexuals in the armed forces. Yeah. So, I mean, she's obviously, you know, ahead of ahead of her time in these kinds of causes. Yeah. Oh, who can forget En Vogue featured on the um, Salt and Pepper hit What a Man. Oh. What a Man, What a Man, What a Mighty Good Man. Featured so they did that. Vogue. So it's good. Yeah, anyway, look. Um, so I think this song is pretty shit now. I'm going to be honest. Just because it rips off so many other things. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, as we talked about it, you know, at the time it was a very topical sort of song. But I can't see why you'd listen to this over Express Yourself these days if you had the choice to listen yeah, to one or the other. Yeah, I agree. I this is no Express Yourself, and I don't care how old that makes me sound. I, I don't hate this, though. It's not, it's not terrible. Like, it's got sort of catchiness. It's just that... Like you say, the catchiness it, comes that's derived exclusively yeah, from elsewhere. Yeah, it feels sort of ersatz, and you know, yeah. even the even the message. Like I said, you know, it's not even a particularly original message. No, exactly. Like, hey, you know, everybody outsiders. I mean, fucking, it's just the Kiss Army, really, isn't it? Oh, exactly. You know, it wasn't particularly original when they did it in the seventies. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Look, this is an inclusive anthem, Tom. It's about you mm. know being inclusivity. It's an yes. inclusive album. Well, it turns out it's an inclusive anthem if you're gay or transgender but not if you're a racial minority or have diminished cognitive function um, <laughs> as the song uses the terms chola, Lebanese and orient in a manner that some deemed offensive and derogatory. I think when using the term orient in your song you probably yeah. is that sort of catch all for just all of Asia <laughs> that can be problematic um, and when asked about the song being a rip off of Express Yourself Lady Gaga responded quote that's retarded, end quote. <laughs> so she certainly did. Um, yeah, it says if there's some line about people with disabilities as well, that's a bit... I mean, okay, fair enough. It is hard to fit complex, you know, sort of uh, intersectional, you know, thinking into a short pop song, yep. three verses. But, you know, you could manage to find a rhyme for the word Lebanese... You know, you could have you could have come up with something better than Orient for fuck's sake. People's so. grandparents don't say Orient don't anymore. That that's not even that's like nineteen forty. Terrible, exactly. Um, look, so Gaga she debuted the song live at the Grammy Awards in two thousand eleven. That was mm-hmm. the first time that she performed it live and people saw it. She arrived at the ceremony in a giant egg, <laughs> carried by models. Uh, three hours later, she was hatched on stage, Tom, and that <laughs> symbolised her rebirth before she proceeded to perform the tune. The hatching out of the egg to symbolise rebirth may have been too subtle for some, Tom. Mm. Were you able to crack that code? <laughs> I don't know. Could you explain it to me a bit more? <laughs> <laughs> so she's an egg and what she hatches oh, out. It's like okay. a birth, a okay. rebirth. So. She's being born. Yeah, sure. exactly. So look, the Grammy performance was about many things. This is a quote from Lady Gaga. Mm. But ultimately, the song Born This Way is visually and thematically and lyrically about birthing a new race birthing a race within the race of already existing cultures of humanity that bears no prejudice, 
and no judgment. Mm. So really, this is less about inclusion and more about Lady Gaga's theories on eugenics. I think so. An attempt to create some sort of ultimate species of human, you know, a a master race, if you will. Well, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) It sounds like the song, rather than being sort of... (laughs) inclusive of everyone it is about her desire to create a Mm. superior race yes um all of people that apparently look like her as well so i'm not sure (laughs) well that's problematic they're not retarded apparently yeah exactly so it's about yeah you're right it's a very much a eugenics theme song it's about breeding a master race with no people with any sort of cognitive disability (laughs) so um people don't talk about that element of this song so i'm not sure whether that's that's ideal but look Um, the Nick Knight video uh, is an equally confused mishmash that features, as you said, a very lengthy spoken word introduction featuring unicorns, angels, Roman gods, and Lady Gaga in Barbarella fetish gear with a plastic eyeball glued to her chin, <laughs> yeah. giving birth to a tattoo model out of her space vagina before turning black and white, shooting a belt-fed M60 at nothing in particular and walking around in her Reg Grundies for three minutes before any music actually happens. Yeah. I'm not saying this is boring. In fact, uh, I'm saying it sets up a standard of kookiness that her subsequent highly derivative disco song and already predictable panties choreography can't really hope to compete with. Exactly. You know, she should have just played the song over the first three minutes of crazy shit yeah. and saved herself two months of dance practice and memorising whatever the fuck that weird soliloquy at the start was. Exactly. Also, don't wear bloody flip-flops in a dance music video. It looks terrible. If you don't want to dance in ridiculous McQueen lobster shoes, fair enough, just have bare feet, I'm saying. Oh, exactly. It's not right. a good look. No, I completely agree. Completely you can't agree. wear thongs with a fair bra. No, you can't. Ridiculous. You can't. You got to dress, you know, from head to toe needs to be the same theme, I think. So, but yeah, look, it wasn't boring. It certainly wasn't just boring. The it's intro, just, no, it's it's entertaining. Just, and it's weird. completely bizarre. <laughs> look, Gaga was close friends with the late British fashion designer Alexander McQueen, mm. Tom. Yes. Um, who unfortunately committed suicide by hanging just before this yeah. song was written. So they were quite close. Gaga told Harper's Bazaar magazine that she believed that rather than writing the song herself, McQueen helped to craft the tune from beyond the grave. She said, he planned the whole thing. Right after he died, I wrote Born This Way. I think he's up in heaven with fashion strings in his hands, marinating away, planning the whole thing. So what I like about this, Tom, is that she's passing the plagiarism aspect off <laughs> Onto a ghost. Mm. So um, I'm not sure if it's the same ghost that Kesha fucked previously. (laughs) I don't know whether she fucked Alexander McQueen as a ghost. But certainly it's an interesting concept, isn't it? Mm. If if Madonna or whoever was to sue Lady Gaga (laughs) and it went to court and she said, I actually didn't write this. It was penned by a ghost. A ghost (laughs) wrote this one. Some may even see, Tom, the song was... Are you ready? Some may even say... (laughs) The song was ghost written. <gasps> wow. That's why we, we, don't, we don't do jokes on this podcast for that reason. I mean, that's excellent. It's fucking awful. But anyway, so that's a novel idea yes. sort of, to say a ghost I wrote the track. If you could legitimately get out of plagiarism by saying, oh, I got the song written for me by this guy, except he's dead now, so you can't blame me. Because I didn't copy it, <laughs> he told me to do it. I just I think if that you could get away with it. That, you could try, but I think that'd still take all your songwriting <laughs> proceeds and give it to the actual writers. It, but really, yep. it was a shame about Steve McQueen. He was only he was only um, Alexander McQueen. He was only forty. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and he exactly. was massively successful. Yep, and exactly. Yeah, for for a 
fashion designer. He was very involved in the music world. He was friends with and or beloved by artists such as Kanye, Boy George, Katy Perry, Corny Love, Estelle, Bjork, and old nowhere Jordan Sparks. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lady Gaga was talking about how much his outfits and his individualistic attitude to the arts inspired her on yeah. CNN the morning he died. Oh, really? Like, before anyone knew about it yet. You know, oh, while, wow. he was, while he was killing himself, she was on CNN saying how awesome she he was and how much he inspired her, you know, and her whole look and all that sort of thing. Wow. You know, yeah, it's a real shame. Apparently, he was just... He just had periods of depression and people just couldn't help him with it. And, yeah. yeah. He just took a whole bunch of drugs and then hung himself... What a waste. It is, yeah. It's definitely really sad. But at least he um, wrote this from beyond the grave. So in many ways, if he hadn't have killed himself, this song would never have been written. They always have those giant lobster shoes. Yep, exactly. Now, look, the album cover to the CD single features Lady Gaga fused into a motorcycle. It sure does. Now, it's not Lady Gaga on a motorcycle. It's Lady Gaga fused (laughs) into... She's part motorcycle part Lady Gaga she explained in an interview on the album cover I'm half motorcycle as I now feel that I'm in a space where I can explain artistically that I'm an endlessly transformative and I'm now the vehicle not just for my voice but the voice of a generation (laughs) and what we have to say about the world now (laughs) Lady Gaga is seriously challenging the members of the Black Eyed Peas for some of the stupidest fucking whack-ass quotes going, yeah, I'm half human, half bike on the cover because I'm the voice of my generation. Get it? I fucking don't get it. To quote Lady Gaga, that's retarded, end quote. Well, man, all I'm saying is that if lesbians aren't allowed to be openly acknowledged in the Air Force, I'm going to the BAFTAs wearing a G-string made of garlic bread. Yeah, okay. so I think so. And, yeah. you know, that's certainly not <laughs> a retroactive explanation no. that I came up with when I my graphic designer went, what if you're a motorbike? And then I looked at it and went, oh, that's pretty cool. And then decided to turn it into a thing about how I'm the voice of a generation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely right. I'm the voice of a generation as demonstrated through that half motorbike, half Gaga cover. Sick. Yeah. It's great. Now, um, <laughs> sorry. It's great. I like that people are challenging who I am because usually that's the dude that comes up yeah. with some fucking stupid shit. Um, what I'm are the lyrics? Keep, I'm glad we keep mentioning Will I Am in these because it keeps reminding me that these songs aren't so bad. Really, every time I get a bit down, I just remember the Black Eyed Peas and I'm like, yeah, Lady Gaga's not so bad. Really. No, no, this, this <laughs> song's fine. Comparatively excellent. Doesn't make you want to throw your stereo out a window, so yeah. Uh, this was uh, co written by Jeppe or Hepe Lawson. Yeah. A man with few credits on his own, but he was the senior half of Dance Act Junior Senior who had a hit with the insanely catchy song Move Your Feet back in 2002. I think they're like, they're European somewhere that doesn't speak English. He's a great big guy with red beard. But yeah, if you look at his credits, it's basically just every possible version of this song. So he must have just got lucky with this one. But Mm. yeah. Uh, My mama told me when I was young, we were all born superstars. She rolled my hair and put my lipstick on in the glass of her boudoir. There's nothing wrong with loving who you are, she said, because he made you perfect, babe. So hold your head up, girl, and you'll go far. Now, do you think that conversation ever took place? No, I definitely didn't. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure Lady Gaga loves herself, but I'm struggling to imagine anyone's mum saying, we are all born superstars. Yeah. 
Uh, also, it's bullshit and stupid advice for a child, obviously. That's the whole point of fucking Fight Club, but never mind. Yeah. I can't help but feel that this song might be giving ammo to the right-wing grifter army who love to equate tolerance and acceptance with the idea that everyone should get a trophy and then where will tomorrow's Joe Rogans come from, Ben? <laughs> That's correct. You know, answer me that. Who's thinking of the tiny unborn Joe Rogans swimming around in their dad's ball sacks? Yep. You know, um, who's looking after them? Now, Tom, did you find the part of the lyrics where she does use the word um, orient? Did you, did uh, you find... If you didn't, No, I okay. think it says it a couple of times, yeah. actually. I just wasn't sure of the context, whether it fitted into her eugenic super <laughs> race of exterminate all, the, all those from the Orient. It's only whites <laughs> that should survive. She, I wasn't sure whether that's the angle she was going for. She uses her it white in a weird way. She, uses it, she says, like, whether you're Chola, Lebanese, or Orient... It's like she's using it instead of the word Asian because she couldn't figure out a way to pass Asian oh, okay. or something. But, like, it doesn't make sense at all because um, Orient isn't a... Um, it's not an adjective no. the way Asian is. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a, exactly. You know, it's a region if it's anything. Makes Oriental is what she oh, means, yeah, yeah. but she doesn't say that. She can't fit it and in. even if she did say that, it would still be equally sketchy. It's just oh. weird. Also, why Lebanese? Of all the countries in the world you could pick, why Lebanese? Got three like, syllables, I Lebanese. Get, I don't Lebanese. Get it. It's all very confused. Yeah, exactly. So she's used a weird sort of semi-dodgy racial colloquialism. Yeah. One... Non-offensive, but weirdly specific actual country name. Yep. And then a, like, 1950s era wrongly used yeah. <laughs> racial oh, term from way back. Oh, it's very strange. It's really weird. Look, it's all a moot point because a super race won't include any of those people. As Clearly, we that's right. It's going to be yeah. her. Especially not if they're <clears throat> mentally impaired in any no, way. No, exactly. exactly right. Right. Well, let's move on from uh, Lady Gaga's theory um, of eugenics. And what have we got next? <laughs> yeah. Up next, oh, three more weeks of Rihanna S&M. Oh, She's yep, back she for three back. more. Um, and then after that, we've got fucking about time. It's J Lo featuring Pitbull on the floor. <laughs> Holy Mr. Shit. Worldwide, have we had Mr. Worldwide? We haven't. Before? No, that's the thing. I mean, we've we've acknowledged the genius of Mr. Yes. Worldwide Pitbull okay. on we've the show had before. But, Lopez before. Yeah, so but this is the uh, the first time the Australian public have jumped onto the Pitbull train and um, taken the track all the way to number one. So this is the first time that people see yes. there. So we know the J-Lo story. What about the Pitbull story? Oh, tell me, Ben. Well, he's from Miami, um, which everyone <laughs> obviously knew based on that white suit that he's sure. wearing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. He chose the name Pitbull because the dog, quote, Tom, bite to lock. The dog is too stupid to lose and they're outlawed in Dade County. They're basically everything that I am. It's been a constant fight. So from that we know the Pitbull, uh, the singer, he bites to lock Tom. We know that. He bites to lock. Uh, Pit, he's too stupid to lose, So, um, which yeah, fair enough. I agree so with that. So he, he yes. says he's a fucking idiot, but he keeps going. Um, and I think he's outlawed in Dade County. So um, I'm not sure where that is. Well, I Dade assume County's it's the, part of Florida, so I'm yep. pretty sure that that's not true because as far as I know, pretty much everything is legal in Florida. Yeah, it's real close to I Miami. you're allowed to get married to alligators yes I think so. is, is it near the Florida Keys um, just uh, like Kokomo <laughs> probably so I'm not sure that's right um, so anyway so that's the Pitbull that's how he got his name look he he met up with a friend friend of the podcast
us, Little John. We love Little John. Sure. Yep. Heaps. So those two met in 2002, um, and then Pitbull sort of expressed his his interest in rapping at the time. So he's a bit of a rapper. Recorded a he's song a bit with of a rapper, sure. yeah, recorded a song <laughs> with uh, Little John and Pitbull teamed up for a song that ended up on Too Fast, Too Furious soundtrack. Oh, often um, so that was his one. first, I think, sort of push into sort of a bit of a successful sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the second best Fast and Furious <laughs> film after Tokyo Drift. Oh, we can yes, all agree sorry, on that. You're right. That was um, number three, wasn't it? So, yeah, he did that rapping, but then after a bit of, of rap, he wasn't gaining as much traction as he would have liked, so he repositioned himself more in the pop world uh, with his album Planet Pit. Fucking oh, sick okay. name for an album. <laughs> What's your album name? Planet Pit. <laughs> Fuck yes. Uh, so he did if that. If you don't know his name's Pitbull, it's yeah. a fairly weird name. Yeah, I exactly. Take that as well. um, so from there, he's, I was looking at his um, singles list. He's released about a million singles <laughs> like by now. Okay. And he's a featured artist on about another billion. He just keeps pumping shit well, out. He does production as well, doesn't he? So uh, I think so. Yeah. I think he does. So look, yeah. he's, he's so much material. Well, does, so many featuring, so much shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, this is his only Australian number one. So we won't get to talk about him again, which yeah. I was surprised at. I just assumed he'd have 10, 15, 20, I'm sure he'll top 25. Up on other things. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is not him either, really. It's nah. featuring people, but yeah. Yeah. So look, he got into a bit of trouble in 2020 um, when he claimed that the pandemic was a conspiracy, Tom. Sure. He called it a scamdemic. He called it a plandemic and spread a few false claims about it. So he was offside with a few people. A couple of people yes. were like, you know, hey, you know, that's not right. You know, we don't like this misinformation. Not but he the appeased, president of America. No, but he, no, he was on side with them, but some people. But the people that he put offside, Tom, he appeased them yep. by uh, purchasing a NASCAR team <laughs> track house racing. So he bought that and everyone just went, that's okay, people. <laughs> sure. We forgive you about your sort of, um, some of your false claims about the pandemic. Yeah. So that's I mean, okay. Pitbull keeps it real, Ben. Oh, yes. Much like Jenny, you know, who, as we know, is from the block. She is, yeah. And there's no way either of them would lower themselves to selling out their values, you know, which is why the first shot of this music video is J-Lo holding a Swarovski crystal gift box <laughs> directly in front of the camera. So the logo is, you know, about 50% of the screen. Yeah. Uh, clearly appearing in number one films and having number one albums doesn't pay much and you have to turn your art into advertisements for overpriced bedazzlers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another interesting choice this video makes is to repeatedly frame Pitbull in mid-shot at the lower half of the screen against an <laughs> empty backdrop, which really serves not to just to just, to just highlight how short and bold he is, but to actually go further and make him look remarkably like Simon Pegg from Hot Fuzz doing a lazy impression of Florida's favourite aviator-clad disco midget. Yes. <laughs> it really does make him look about knee-high. Yeah. I, I would have legitimately been annoyed if I had seen this video. Yeah, that would I was bit poor. I'd be like, what are you fucking doing here? You know? Oh, man. Absolutely. Um, he's also... He's got this kind of affected snarl thing. He does this kind of little lip curl, uh, which yeah. makes him look even more like a weird little, you know, little guy doing an impression of himself. It's very uh, strange. It is completely bizarre. Um, you failed to mention, Tom, that the first 15 seconds of the video features not only the Swarovski crystals, but also um, a BMW. I think it's... Oh, sort of... does it as well? With the, <laughs> let me guess, drives up to the camera There's and stops quick... so that the logos... Yep, <laughs> zoom right on the logo and then the crystals come out. Um... I mean, look, product placement is a recurring 
recurring theme in the last few years of video clips, but like I just thought this was particularly egregious given that it's the opening shot of the video. Oh, yeah, one yeah. and two, J Lo is fucking minted. She's loaded. She doesn't fucking need yeah. <laughs> fucking sponsorship. How are we, we going to pay for this video clip? <laughs> oh, product placement. Um, later in the video, there's a Crown Royal product placement, Tom. Crown uh, Royal. What uh, do they do? Well, you may know that as a key component of the Black Tooth Grin, the favorite oh, cocktail of Timebag Daryl. So it's just that. There's a zoom in on the bottle for that as well. Yeah. So it's product placement all over. Fortunately, the uh, Pantera had the integrity not to prominently feature the booze that they did actually drink. Well, exactly. In their videos. Exactly. Um, this is a Euro dance track, I think we can say. Yeah, um, it's certainly, yeah. It uh, features samples from the 1989 track um, Kamoa Lambada. And for oh, okay. those that don't know, the Lambada time is the Forbidden Dance. It's true. So um, they it's sample that so track. so forbidden that nobody really seemed to be 100% no, no. sure what it actually was. <laughs> you know what's going <laughs> what on. It looked like or sounded like. So they sampled that in there. Um, so that was, I guess, the hook that got people in. But what really takes this Eurodance number, you know, to the next level, Pitbull, obviously. Um, but the lyrics, which is so fucking stupid, it's hard to believe that someone approved them. Um, that badonkadonk is like a trunk full of bass on an old school Chevy. Seven tray donkey donk. All I need is some vodka, some chonky kong, and, I'm, and what she's gonna get donkey kong. Baby, if you're ready... For things to get heavy. What's he talking about? I have no fucking idea. I, I read... The one I read it said... All I need is some vodka, some chonky coke. Okay. But that still doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. And what is the seven tree donkey dog? Uh, I don't, don't know. <laughs> and what is she going to get Donkey Kong... What is, I don't know. It sounds like he spent a bit too much time playing Donkey Kong 64 on the Nintendo. I think, I think that's probably what he was doing, playing a bit of that N64 yeah. at the time. So look, um, there's also an Inception reference in there. <laughs> like, it's going on like Inception. So, which is, I think, um, a reference at the time that anyone used for something I didn't understand. Just mm. like going, it's like Inception. I can't, can't possibly understand Inception the multiple a levels of this Christopher Nolan. Famously, Norton. people who aren't that bright think he's super intellectual and complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not very complicated. No, you're just in someone's dream trying to yep. do some shit. Um, and it also features lyric Tom, uh, if you're a criminal, kill it on the floor. Yeah. So I, I, was, about the dance I floor. noted that one that. as well. That's fucking, yeah. Yeah, but look, when it comes to those lyrics, a lot of them we don't understand, but this is what people had to say. When you got these big, big house records or club records that are very global, mm-hmm. and they are obviously, I try to come in on what I was raised on what I'm a fan of, which is just spitting hard. <laughs> can't, can't argue with that. In comes Pitbull and just spits hard with some Donkey Kong, some Gonky Chong, some Donkey Gong, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. He just he just spits hard and everyone just, goes, fuck yeah. I'm not sure what, what nationality is or whether that makes any difference, but rapping is not the first thing of when I think of Pitbull no yeah. the first thing I think of is obviously that he comes from Miami because he yep. mentions it in every single thing yep. he does yeah, yeah I hope you're right he does some production because uh, <laughs> otherwise it's kind yeah. of like he's just going hey chonky bomb with a little lonky long yeah, yeah and it's all auto-tuned to fuck yep. and just yeah yeah exactly so look anyway. the music the completed music video for this premiered um, season 10 of American Idol oh, 2011 okay. so that so what have they premiered that on the show? Fans could vote between three alternative endings yep. through Idol's official website. Lopez said the idea 
uh, behind giving fans the choice was to give them a chance to see what she experienced, Tom. <laughs> you oh. get to do what I do. I go in there with my videos and I start editing and picking all the shots I like and all the things that I like and what I feel is the best kind of feeling for the record is you guys get to do that. So she's <laughs> throwing the editing component of the music video mm. into the general public's hands, Tom. The alternative endings include three varying scenes. In the first, there's a close-up of Lopez's face. The second ends with a shot of dancers defying gravity on the walls and ceiling. And the third part is a shot of Lopez on the dance floor in her harem pants. Wow. So, the audience, <laughs> they've got those three choices, Tom. They get to do what J-Lo does. They get to make these, you know, creative decisions. Mm. You know, that's part of the human creative <laughs> spirit, I guess. Taking these very disparate ideas and letting the people at home do what J-Lo does. They get to do what she does and edit and choose what they think is the sure. ultimate ending for that, Tom. And what did they go for? What they did was, Tom, they went for the first edit. They, thought uh, that, they said, we want Lopez's face, a close-up of her face in a catsuit. Some might say chosen. the least interesting option. The least etra- interesting option. Which is why option. creativity always benefits from groupthink and asking large committees of people what they reckon their best exactly. idea is. You know, that's, that's for sure. why uh, movie directors always love test screening so much. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But they got to do what Lopez does. They got yeah, to. Well, they, they basically the, the the general public effectively edited this entire video. Time <laughs> sure. they were just given the raw footage and mm. said, "Go to town." That's what J Lo gets to. Do. They did yes. that for her. So it was, was really a good. level of video control not seen since the days of the Sega set thirty two and uh, Sega CD. Chris <laughs> crisscross edit your mainline. video exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, uh, I feel like J Lo probably stole the idea from crisscross's um, you know edit your own video and thing. If so. She doesn't have a C- Sega CD at home. I'd be very surprised. She definitely would. Look, um, as you'd expect from that, it's a bad video. Uh, it's one of those sort of. Shakira style ones which has clearly cost quite a lot of money e.g. you know product placement aside there's good lighting there's good staging there's good costuming and hair and everything else but it's just shot in a sort of flat boring kind of unflattering way yeah you know that highlights the artificiality of everything happening on the screen Pitbull looks four feet tall and ridiculous he does the crowd looked like the extras they probably are and even J-Lo in a crystal skin tight bodysuit thing looks kind of awkward she does you know yeah. she's sort of bogling around on her own against a blank wall it just looks like she's climbed up trying to get out to the window of the ladies toilets and couldn't reach it or something it's exactly just, yeah she deserves better than this shit I, I think say. she does Look, Tom, this track was YouTube's most popular song in 2011. Well, there you go. So that's what happens when you let the general public edit it. You give it, you put it in their hands, yeah. they say, hey, if, if the editing, you know, maybe J-Lo had have said, I think the editing should be me in harem pants. They yep. did that, no one would have watched it. What? But the general public said, no, no, we want her close up on the face in the cat suit. People are increasingly listening to music on YouTube these days. So it's possible that people just liked... Maybe they wanted to see the bodysuit, but they might have just liked the song as well. What did you think of the actual song? Oh, it's terrible, but um, <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with those whack-ass lyrics. Yeah, and the sample that the they use of the Lombarda is a bit trash as well, to be honest. So yeah. it's sort of like, um, I don't know. No, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love you know Eurobeats, but uh, this doesn't hold a candle to your Labouches or your no, um, Culture Beats. No, it's saying. got more in common with um, Winter Gordon from earlier, which yep. is... It's Eurobeat in the sense that it's Eurodance in the sense that it's European flavoured dance, but yep. it's not 
it's not Eurodance in the sense that it could hold a candle to um, What Is Love by Hadaway. Oh, absolutely couldn't. You're absolutely right. You know, Ice MC, all of the greats, sure. I don't think. You know, Ice MC, you know, Pitbull. It's the artist Pitbull could have been, really, I think, <laughs> when we when we really break it down. So. He, he really does kind of resemble those guys with the chin beard from those Eurodance videos. <laughs> sort of ethnically questionable dude up the back going... You know, do do the breakdown in the middle of uh, what is love or whatever. Yeah, you know. that's that's sort of where I see Pitbull as the guy that just showed up to do yeah. the real shit rap in like a <laughs> 1993 Eurodance song yeah. by you know whoever the fuck it is, yeah, like yeah, "Wrap Me Up in Your Love" or something like that. And the like, lyrics aren't quite matching their mouth movements, and you're not yeah. sure whether they've like overdubbed themselves or whether it's someone else that's doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And somehow he's broken through to be his own artist and have. <laughs> you know, successful albums and it's just like, nah, man, you should have been doing the rap on, you know, yeah, as we mentioned, yeah, Hathaway. So yeah. Um, what about the lyrics on this? Well, the the whole melody line for this comes from an 80s song called Lorando Sefwe by Los Carcas. Yep. And the it's song... got another sample in it, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. and the song also features a sample of Pump It Up by Joe Budden. Okay. So this is credited to Bilal the Chef Haji, Ulysses Hermosa... <laughs> Gonzalo Hermosa, Pitbull, Teddy Sky, AJ Jr., Kinder, and Red One. Jesus. Uh, none of those people are named Jennifer Lopez, so I guess we can't blame her for the lyric, if you're a criminal, kill it on the floor. Nah. Steal it quick on the floor, on the floor, yeah. Don't stop, keep it moving, put your drinks up, woo. <laughs> Now, incitements to murder aside, if you've never been out dancing before, let me say that yelling, put your drinks up, translates to, drunk bitches throw glassware in my face, please. Yeah. Uh, it'd be like saying, anyone with a cigarette, wave it at eye level, or punch a stranger in the kidney and crowd surf covered in dog shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. so I, I have a personal dislike for throw your hands up or throw your drinks up. Yeah. Or everybody in the club. Yeah, there's a reason why... Um, there's a reason why Teo Cruz... Was it Teo Cruz? Yep. Who's the one that says... I put my hands up in the air sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, that's exactly. right. Because you've got to pick your moments to put your hands up in the air. Yeah. Like, not when you're trying to carry two drinks across the dance floor. Oh, you exactly. Know? And, and I think at some at another point, he says, uh, I put my hands up one... No, but I make sure there's room for my hands. Oh, for <laughs> he sure. Actually I literally mean, Teo, Teo Cruz is... He's, he's thoughtful. He's thought he's ahead. He's smart. He Whereas is smart. Whereas j just telling people or the 17 people that wrote this song are just yelling put your drinks up I mean that's just like you're yeah. just asking for a face full of tepid Maduri and that's the thing as well I mean who who has the money to go and buy two vodka sodas from the bar what's that like 48 bucks or something yeah, these days and then you lucky. sort of walk back and it's like throw them up and it's like there you go you know that's I've just right. dropped 50 bucks on you know three drinks and I've thrown them up in the air it's ridiculous also, put your drinks up I mean what does that prove you can afford to buy a $48 oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know I don't know Teo knew what was about I put my hands up in the air sometimes. you know sometimes and it, it, what, what he's really saying is that you know given the I'll look at the circumstances I'll look at the environment around me and I will deem at that point in time if it is appropriate for me to put my hands up or not and I like that pragmatic That's approach right. of Teo Cruz I always have I've supported him as an artist but just as a practical artist <laughs> So, yeah, I think most people That's should be right. singing about that, you know. His Let's parents, hit the floor sometimes, on occasion. His Tom and Penelope Cruz taught him well. <laughs> they they did, really certainly. Did. As we've covered, he we is have. the illegitimate child of those two. He is, absolutely right. So, all right, who have we got next then? What's up? 11th of April? 11th of April. Um, for a brief single week? Uh, yeah, I think only one week on this bad boy. Uh, look... 
Snoop Dogg versus David Quetta. <laughs> Sweat. We're back to fucking reverse reversing now. Look, even Snoop has decided to get on in on this extreme auto tune. <sighs> this is an auto tune Euro dance single. Yeah, with Snoop. It kind of is now, isn't it? Look, and it's not like featuring Snoop. It's it's him. Versus, it's all Snoop. But like look, what I yeah. what I found out, Tom, is it turns out that David Guetta, the man who almost single handedly helped bring back the cheesiest fuck nineties Euro dance pop hits, um, you know, just with the modern yeah. production and techniques. And without actually have. writing the melodies himself, because that's the hard part. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so he's just remixed the Snoop song Wet. Yes. Which was deemed Tom too hot for radio, mm-hmm. and this is the end result. So look, there's vocal effects though all over the original. Listen to the original. Song. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, we can't just say, hey, it's all on Guetta. Guetta's guilty. He's the man that's auto tuned yeah. the shit out of this. Snoop was doing that on the original. Yeah. So, the Guetta's... original. Oh, sorry. No, no, please go. Well, the original was produced by the Cataracts, yep. a production duo who, in a bizarre twist of fate, aren't from Scandinavia. Whoa, what? Hey. I know. It's crazy. They're well, American, believe it or not. Sadly, they are annoying as fuck because, A, they also did like a G6, which is one of the most irritating songs of the decade. Did they? And B, they've managed to ruin the best thing Snoop has going for him, e.g. his rad voice and unique delivery, under a mountain of, as you say, shit auto-tune yep. and effects that sound like someone's little brother playing with the pause button on a CD remote, oh, which yeah. just completely fucks up his natural timing and flow, which is the best thing about fucking Snoop. Similarly, uh, the video surrounds him with 20-year-old dancers in an unflattering blue light and with his shirt off for most of the running time. Did I mention that he is 50, Ben? And he wasn't exactly a sex bomb even back in the day. (laughs) Much like the audio production of the original, it just turns his strengths into a weakness. And frankly, he looks way more comfortable in that fucking wacky-ass California Girls video, stoned out of his mind, buried neck-deep in fairy floss next to a half-nude Katy Perry with purple plastic hair. Yeah. As he does, like, here, trying to look hot next to a, you know, 15 people 30 years younger than him with his friggin' shirt off. Absolutely. Anyway, Gwena's contribution, as far as I can tell, (laughs) to the whole thing, was adding a more consistent backbeat five minutes work on Pro Tools yeah. and a synth line taken directly from the 1992 song Don't You Want My Love by Felix oh, specifically geez. the Huge mix even the video is just the Snoop original except with Gwetta's name slapped on the front end in a shit pink font and the Royal Brothers removed which was the only fucking interesting part about the video which we'll talk about later mm. so well done again Gwetta you overpaid homogenising hack yeah he's, he's, he has I don't know. He is a disgrace to music. I think I've always said that. Um, back- I, I didn't know he was this bad. Like in dance music, you would hear he would be remixing stuff. But at this time, I was listening to dance music, but I wasn't paying attention to the pop charts. And like, yeah, what now? I've just increasingly realised how shit. I think he's. he's been, I think he's always been trash. Yeah, definitely. Even on that fucking nineties rap track that he did yeah um, which and, <laughs> was no good and that weird little doco thing I watched about the not doc the, the YouTube explainer video about um Call On Me by Eric Prince. oh yeah, yeah you really get the impression that there was two lots of dance music people in that video there was the kind that uh, thought Daft Punk should have just you know were, were smart for never 
making Call On Me into a pop song, and the other half of people who were on the sort of Eric Prids, David Guetta, Ministry of Sound side, where the whole point of anything is just monetize it as quickly oh, exactly. as possible and make as much cash and then move on to the next and then thing. Get out. Of yeah, it. exactly right. If you can do it as fast as possible, then that's the best song. So yeah. yeah. Um, like a G6, Tom, I'm glad, <laughs> glad that came up. Um, featuring the lyrics, um, let's go out getting slizzard. Drinking hard, getting, getting slizzard. slizzard. Yeah. So, is that, do, do people still use that terminology? I don't think they used it even at the time. No, I don't think so. Uh, it was kind of mystified. What I like about that song is um, everyone was like, oh, what does it mean? What does like a G6 mean? And I think they're like, it's just completely made up. Is it like a plane? Is it a type I of car? It's a plane, like, isn't it? No, I think they just went, it's, we just made it oh, up. Really? It oh, really? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I just thought great. it was a private so, plane. No, that's perfect. Okay. Um, but look, what I like about this, and this is something you... Credit where credit's due, Tom. Sure. I think David Guetta, you know, he is obviously a hack, but I think we need to acknowledge that I like a remix where some remixes, they just take the original and add a little bit to it. Like, oh, it's just the same song. We've yep. got like a rap bit in there um, or we've changed the beat a bit. It's a little bit basically the same thing. But what David Guetta's done with this remix is he's completely flipped the script. He's changed the whole thing. It's upside down. You know, up is down, left is right. It's completely changed for sure. So because the remix, Tom, um, it's about banging a chick and making her sweat. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to make you sweat, which is completely different from the original song where he talks about getting a chick wet and then banging her. Uh, So they've completely reversed the order (laughs) in which the moisture appears in the remix, okay? Sure. In the original, he's talking about pre-bone getting someone <laughs> wet and in the in this one in the remix it's mm. about post-bone or during boning that he's going to get them I sweat see, get sweating I so see. he's completely changed the order up of um, when he's going to get people wet and I respect that I don't you don't see that a lot in remixes just a complete you know reversal yes, of what yeah. the song's about so look he's and an also artist. he's an artist yeah and David Guetta knows what makes a hit <laughs> He knows what's going to, you know, he knows that to have a hit, you need to appeal to as many people as possible. Sure. You need to have a wider audience as possible that can buy the song. So the part in the original wet where Snoop raps about um, making someone's pussy drip like a tap has been removed. (laughs) David Guetta realized that um, that wasn't really family friendly, having that, (laughs) your your, your snatch is dripping like a tap. We've got to get that out of here. Whereas the remix, I think you'll find is completely family friendly. Yeah. It's like when he did that song, Sexy Bitch. And yeah. then he changed it to what was it? Sexy, Sexy chick. chick. Mm, it's it's exactly yeah. right. A so. similar level of lyrical. For sure, for sure. So yeah, the the remix completely family friendly. Um, you know, I'm in the hole like a birdie. Sure. What you want to do tonight? It's still early. Want to get spewed tonight? Uh, I'm not sure what that means. She's all sturdy. I'm in between your lips like a cigarette. Uh, she want to quit. She want to make it. Make it wet. I'm going to get you wet. Tell me, baby, are you wet? I just want to get you wet. Holiday income, meet me on the eighth floor. Damn, it feels good, but I feel bad for them maids, though. <laughs> and I apologize, but when I slip inside, I turn the girls into a slip and slide. <laughs> now, that's from the classy original song, Tom. Sure. And um, I guess it wouldn't surprise you after hearing those lyrics that mm. um, Snoop wrote this song specifically to be performed at... Prince William's bachelor party. <laughs> yes. 
I find that astonishing. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Do you think, is he sort of singing this song and he's looking at Prince, like making eye contact with Prince William going, when I slip inside, I turn girls into a slip and slide? And Prince William's just thinking, yeah, when I'm fucking banging Kate Middleton, it's all slip and slide. It's like mm, a water park yes. in the Royal Palace, I think. So. I hope the Queen was there too. Oh, and you just know Prince Andrew was there, wasn't he? Sort of <laughs> oh, he was party. definitely there. Yes. He was up at the back sort of thinking... Yeah, when I'm yeah. inside, I turn girls into it. Was it sort of like a metaphorical <laughs> slip and slide or like a literal slip and slide at Epstein's mansion? Mm, sort of well, he had a lot going on on what the locals called Pedophile Island. Well, exactly. Which you think so, might have been some sort of giveaway to the local law enforcement, but yeah. I guess not. Um, yeah, um, ironically, with a remix, Prince Andrew, he can't sweat. He doesn't have the ability to sweat. <laughs> so he's certainly more Judith's of a fan of the original. Time served in the Falkland Islands. Yeah, exactly. Which is so, one of the weirdest uh, fucking. Dis- <laughs> diversion tactics I've oh, ever heard. Um, so he doesn't like the remix he only likes the original the um, the bit about the cigarette in the pussy lips and um, uh, feeling bad yeah, for the maids because of how trashed the fucking so forth, yeah, yeah exactly right so that's one of the wackest I mean <laughs> hey Snoop's, Snoop's going to come along and write a song for the bachelor <laughs> party and this is what you get served up <laughs> Well, I like it. Apparently, um, Harry originally reached out to Snoop Dogg to play at William Stag Do, mm. but Snoop was already booked, and he's but that served to open up lines of communication between the fifty-year-old gangbang exponent and the royal brothers. Yeah, good. And Snoop sent wet to the pair when he'd finished it, saying it would make a good track for a stag do. Yeah. Uh, including a video that features a tribute to the pair getting flown to Vegas and being rubbed all over by 763 chicks in bikinis, Good. all of whom have been thoroughly pre-moistened by Snoop Dogg. Oh, no doubt. But yeah, I mean, he did claim in many, many, many subsequent interviews and songs that he was good friends with uh, the, the two princes. So yeah. yeah, I mean, they must have made a real impression on him, you know, because you'd think... With the the royal the, the royal heirs, you know the sort of coolness value of being associated with an ex, you know, fucking what was he West Side gangster would be, yep. a, 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 you know, or six of one, half a dozen of the other. You know, on the one hand they are rich and famous, but on the other hand they're kind of dorky. Yeah. <laughs> you oh know? Yeah, yeah. And also very 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 white, you yeah. know. But but you know, hey, he obviously thought it was pretty cool, and they claimed that they were big fans growing up. So you know, who knows what they were playing on the royal um, fucking? You reckon they were blasting the dog father <laughs> <laughs> at Buckingham Palace, sneaking it in so. on the discman to yeah, yeah. I don't know, look, um, look, yeah, it's it's good. It's but good yeah, did know. you see the video with them in it? There's two versions. There's the in the wet version, they're in. There's like yeah, they, yeah, and yes. in the sweat version, it's basically the same video, but they took that part out, I guess. That, yeah, so. yeah. Um, <laughs> he basically takes them on a bachelor party, which kind of again shows how much of an impression it must have made on them, so, on him. Yeah, so. indeed. So a lot of great lyrics in there, though. Um, oh, they are. Yeah, so, look, I right. think you covered them fairly well. As Derek Zoolander once said, uh, "Moisture is the essence of wetness." <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. Snoop obviously took that message to heart for sure cool anything else on, no on no what have we got next oh well Tom things are going from strength to strength with uh, LMFAO featuring Lauren Bennett and Goon Rock Party Rock Anthem 
Yeah, and the, <laughs> the, the, the first thing that we have to get out of the way here is that this is 10 weeks of oh, this, yeah. by the 10 way. 10 weeks of this shit, exactly. Yeah. A long, 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 long mm-hmm. time. Way too long. Yeah. Now, look, here's what I like about LMFAO, Tom. Sure. <laughs> in 2012, yeah. not far from now in the podcast history, yeah. like oh, next year, the duo announced they'd be taking an indefinite hiatus. From yep. music. And as of now, uh, we're in July of 2022, a decade on from making the announcement, mm-hmm. they've stuck to this, there's been no mention of a reunion or comeback, there's been no new music, and it doesn't sound like they're ever going to record ever again or perform as LMAFO ever again, mm-hmm. which is a real win for society as their music is objectively <laughs> terrible. Is that a fair assessment, Tom? I mean, look, you know, some some artists, you know, your Kurt Cobain's, your Morrissey's, you know, your your Prince's, they they just burn bright, but they can't last no, very long. It's much you know? like these and, guys, yeah. Yeah, they really could only last for the pretty much the length of 2011, and that was about yeah. it. But, but they did burn... D- <laughs> It's bizarrely bright, e.g. 10 fucking weeks of this shit. Look, I would say that there are exactly two good things about this song. Yeah. Uh, the bit where he says, every day I'm shuffling, which is nicked from a Rick Ross song. Yeah. E.g. he's credited for it. And the squeaky electro bit uh, in the dancey part, which I'm assuming was done by producer Listen B, a.k.a. Goon Rock. Yeah. Because he's got two names and they're both better than Red Food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goon Rock. I mean, if that's not the name of a fucking uh, Queensland pub band, then it Goon certainly Rock's should fantastic. be. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no space between the words. It's one word. Yeah, for sure. So look, I think we live in a day and age where Motley Crue signed some fake document that says after this tour, this this document we're signing means that we can never legally perform live ever again. So this is our final tour. You better come and watch us because yep. we've signed this thing. Then like a year and a half later they're back performing going oh it wasn't legally binding you know so people go on hiatuses or break up all the time oh, do yeah. some fake shit and they're back John in Farnham had 17 farewell yeah, tours exactly so they've stuck to their guns in not performing anymore so <laughs> that I do respect but look LMFAO for those that don't know it's a duo of Red Foo and his nephew Sky Blue <laughs> So well, that's, I mean, that's right the there, that might explain the mysterious lack of new music. Yeah, Red Foo's Nobody good. can piss you off like family members, and it's that's quite possible true. that they just did a year of touring with your fucking uncle and, and your nephew land. and just went, fuck I'm fucking this done. shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Red Foo's the youngest son of Motown founder, uh, Barry Gordy Jr. Um, so even though he's Sky Blue's uncle, there's only about a 10-year age gap between them. Do you know which one's which? Because I don't, and I don't Red care. Red is the one with the big hair and those whack glasses. So he, the, the stupider, louder, sillier one is the older one. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So he's the youngest son <laughs> of the Motown founder. So then okay. uh, Sky Blue is like the kid of one of the older ones, So okay. which is why... So yeah. he's 10 years younger They're, than Yeah, that, exactly. The so, show with the afro. Yeah, okay. yes, so he's, yeah, for sure. So Red Foo, he was like 35 when this dropped. Um, yeah. And dare I say it was his last shot at fame after a good 15 years of only very minor interest in his output. So <laughs> I listened to some of his earlier um, rap songs from probably, mm-hmm. yeah, what, maybe the 90s and they weren't very good and he was uh, pretty terrible. Sure. So, But he kept chipping away and then eventually he <laughs> found his niche with some whack 
like leopard print shorts mm-hmm. and whatever the fuck. Didn't so. improve, just no. changed his outfit until he hit hit it big. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, they've been quiet for over a decade at this point. Fantastic. But this has been streamed over two billion times on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So they probably live in large off whatever cut they get from that, yeah. one would suggest. I mean, that is a terrifying number of views for a song this shit. Yeah. And it's equally unsettling that this was certified diamond in 2018 by the RIAA, e.g. Yep. 10 times platinum. Yeah. However, you've got to do a lot better than two billion views these days if you want to be crack the top 10 most watched songs on YouTube or even the top 30 or top 50. Yeah. Um, I've got the top 10 right here. Not, oh, yeah. I, I'm not counting kids' songs. Oh, good. Um, so, yeah, any guesses as to what might be on the top oh, 10? Oh, once you, once you strip um, fucking Baby Shark out of there, mm-hmm. I think, um, is it is uh, that Despacito song still towards the top? Yep, yeah, that's uh, number one. Oh, there you go. Uh, 7.9 billion views. Jesus. Uh, and then after that, you've got Shape of You by Ed Sheeran, oh, 5.8 billion, I know. <laughs> See You Again by Wiz Khalifa, Uptown Funk by Mark Ronson, Gangnam Style, still oh, yeah. still uh, holding steady, <laughs> billion views. Uh, Dame to Cosita by El Chombo, don't know what the fuck that is. No. Sugar by Maroon 5, Christ yeah. Almighty. Raw by Katy Perry. Counting Stars by One Republic. Fuck. The blandest rock band in fucking human history. Uh, and Sorry by Justin Bieber. You're still not forgiven. Three and a half billion views. Jeepers. Uh, in case you're depressed, as I was, that Shape of You, one of the shittest songs of the decade, has 5.7 billion views, uh, would you like to take a guess at the actual number one non-pop most viewed music video? Not pop, like a rock song? Or? Oh, no, just uh, not one of those, you know... Most viewed video of all time. Yeah, song video. It is Baby Shark or it's not? It is Baby Shark yeah. with 11 billion views. Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that makes it the best song in the world by any means, <laughs> but I am saying that it conclusively demonstrates that the Baby Shark song is twice as good as Shape of You mm. by Ed Sheeran and six times better than Party Rock Anthem. Oh, yeah, I mean, great. it's mathematically provable right it's there. Absolutely. You, know? <laughs> like, you can't argue with those numbers. Absolutely right. No, I completely agree. Look, um, all fantastic. Look, the track features uh, Lauren Bennett. You may the thing is about this song. You remember, you remember fucking, um, you know, Redfoo and and the other fucking dude. I'd forgotten Lauren Bennett. Yeah, so there's a chick in there. There's a chick in there. (laughs) Okay. Um, So she's from the international girl group um, Paradiso Girls. Okay. Who was an attempt at creating a European pussycat doll. Okay. Um, Spoiler alert, Tom, it didn't work out. (laughs) And uh, it also features newcomer Goon Rock. Now, this was written for... group Goon Rock penned this for Flow Rider. Ah, yes. But for whatever reason, it didn't end up there. And LMFAO were able to turn it into the track it is today. Goon Rock, who co-wrote this, said, quote, Even though it was for another artist, Flow Rider, by the time we realised that it was going to be for us, we really did sit and say... Let's change the world. <laughs> now, did Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO featuring Lauren Bennett and Goon Rock change the world, Tom? Well, let me ask you this, Ben. Yeah. Uh, since the release of this song in April 2011, how often have you been shuffling? 
Yeah, that's true. I've been shuffling. I don't know about you, but it's pretty much an everyday thing for me. Yeah. No, seriously, though, I think uh, Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO changed the world in the uh, Silicon Valley sense of tech startups (laughs) changing the world in the sense of making the people who did it extraordinarily wealthy and giving everyone else the shit. Yeah, for sure. While not actually changing the world. I mean, technically it changed the world in the sense of the world is now different because this song existed and we all had to listen to it, but not in the usual sense of, you know curing African famine or something like that. Yeah. Oh, we've changed the world because previously when I ordered a pizza, it got delivered by uh, someone that worked for Pizza Hut. Now Mm. it could be fucking anyone, a child on a bicycle. (laughs) So it could happen. You know, we've changed the world. We've, you know, really given consumers the choice on delivery of, you know, salami. disrupted you know the taxi industry because our drivers used to get health benefits yeah and you know have to prove that they weren't serving time for rape charges (laughs) but now (laughs) we've really disrupted that industry so look i'm glad that they did change the world tom um i mean look one thing though credit where credit's due I didn't think it was possible to make a song more annoying than uh, Black Eyed Peas' 2000s output, but this gives it a run for its money, I think. Yeah. In terms of the sheer sort of like... I'd put it above that, possibly because it, possibly because of the Goon Rock production. I can imagine this being done by Flo Rida and it being less irritating. Yeah. Just a silly kind of Florida party jam, like a yeah. Pitbull-style thing. Or, or like, um, what's-his-face, who's the, the British... Uh, the Brit- British flow rider, what's his name? <laughs> oh, we had it? him last week. Oh, God, it's irritating. Teo Cruz. No, the guy who's got his f- um, facial hair drawn on with a text. It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, but yeah, like, Jason Derulo. Yes, Derulo, someone like that. But yeah, I, th- I think it's less irritating than Black Eyed Peas. Black oh, Eyed Peas is the bottom yeah. of the. Oh, it's less barrel. irritating, but I think it's 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 in the same league ish. Yeah, I think it's yes. getting close. Like yeah. the mashup of disparate sort of like, you know, and then it's like, you know, yeah. that sort of shit that yes. Black Eyed Peas like to do. Um, look, this is pre- it's pretty annoying. That's what I'm going to say. Um, it's so annoying that I don't hear it played in supermarkets. Are you the same, Tom? Like, yeah, you know, I know what you mean. These, these they were everywhere for a year yeah. or two. And now this. I think, like, I, I hear La Bouche Sweet Dreams uh, in shops more now than when it was released. I think, like, yes. you know, whereas uh, I can't remember the last time <laughs> I've heard any LMFAO in a supermarket or a shop at any point in the last yeah. decade. and it's so not like LaBouche are putting out a lot of new no, stuff not. these days. No, no. Oh, Sweet Dreams of Rhythm and Dancing. What's yeah, not exactly. to like? Yeah, Sweet Dreams of Passion Through the Night. Um, the music video, <laughs> conceptually, yeah. I'm into. Sure. Conceptually. Um, the premise is red foo and sky blue. They're in comas from partying too much and then they wake up 28 <laughs> days later. It's like a 28 days later knockoff. Yeah, so really so, super relevant and well-aged. <laughs> Let's parody. make a music video off a, what, at this stage, 10-year-old film or whatever? I don't know. I can't so, um, the whole, so, not new at this point. But anyway, the whole world's been infected by their song. Mm. So doing the shitty dance all day. Shuffling, so, yeah. Which inevitably leads to the cons, you know, the collapse of society. Shuffling's so, just skanking, by the way. It's yeah, just exactly. skanking to a shitty dance um, So it's sort of, you know, it's kind of like, okay, they've woken up from their coma and their song's become popular and we're in like a post-apocalyptic thing because people are too busy yeah. doing their shitty dance. So conceptually... Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's it's, there, a, sure. it's got a concept to it. It's like okay, that's kind of interesting. But um, the song's fucking abysmal. So um, <laughs> just watch it, like Charmed with the sound off. I think Tom. So mm-hmm. 
Um, did you know that LMFAO have a clothing line out? Uh, I assumed as much because half of both of the videos that we're featuring this year just feature lots of close up, lots of close ups of clothing with logos and stuff on it. So I assumed it was either them or someone they knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, party rock clothing, Tom. Mm. I'm not saying this is necessarily an Ed Hardy situation per se, but I don't know if I'd trust an individual <laughs> to be an upstanding character if they were retired in party rock clothing. Well, how about this, Ben? From a hipster perspective, how long till uh, ironically wearing LMFAO party rock clothing? Uh. That can't. I'm, well, I reckon maybe five years. I'd give. I it. might be there now. <laughs> <laughs> if I can get some, I'm almost there. If time. I had a body to rock a tank top, and I could maybe get one of those. Sorry for the party rocking shirts or whatever. Oh uh, yeah. What what is it? I'm in Miami, bitch. If you can get that t-shirt that just says <laughs> yeah. that, really big. Yeah. I think that it, might be. It good. Was also the time I'd forgotten that, but those like uh, canvas like slip on. Vans, yeah, yeah, and those yeah. kind of espadrilles, you know, sort of shoes were really huge for a few years there, and, and they've got them as well. They yeah. keep showing close ups of those. That's what I mean. I was, I just yeah. like this is obviously something that's connected to them. But, yeah. yeah, I reckon that's. I think you're right. I think by 2024, if you're rocking a I'm in Miami bitch, <laughs> um, LM FAO t-shirt and a MAGA hat, mm. you're probably you're probably doing it already. I'm saving my gold and Swarovski crystal. Uh, plated flow rider Florida shaped uh, neck jewelry. Oh, yeah. You know, that's coming in back. It's that's that's, that's yeah, waiting absolutely. for its time in the sun. For sure. Yep. Um, look, so the biggest problem for me with the LMFAO, and I'm sure it's the same with you, Tom, is that the whole thing is based on their party rock shtick. Yes. You know, every song or the album, the output. That was the branding that it's, pushed It's all them based over the on line, the party yeah. rock. We're partying, we're doing party stuff, we're yeah. party guys. But the problem with that is. We already have Andrew WK. Yeah. He's the party guy. He's the dude that does the partying. Yeah. He's way better than these fucking dickheads will ever be. Yeah. So if Absolutely. you're going to enter the party on the party dude territory, yeah. then you, you've got competition and you're going to come off second best. Absolutely. I mean, it's not even particularly good party music. No, I mean, it's it, terrible. It's no better than any of the other Dr. Luke, Max Martin, Richard Dean Anderson conveyor belt shit we've been covering every month for the last three years. Yeah. And it's a million miles from someone authentically party starting shit like the Beastie Boys or Andrew WK or John or someone. I mean, I guess this was really like a marketing dude's answer to the question. If we brand a group as party dudes and name all their songs about partying and give them stupid party-based lyrics, will that hypnotise enough smooth-brained teenagers to play it at parties and make us rich? You know, if we convince them that this is party music just through force of repetition of the word party. And the answer is, of course, yes. As uh, four years of old Donnie Pindic conclusively demonstrated, at any point, 30% of the population can be made to concretely believe a statement by prefacing it with the words, believe me, comma. Yes. So getting horny teens to download your track, this song will make chicks show up to your party for the next party, is a piece of piss by comparison to that. Absolutely. I mean, to me, this stuff really, it seems like a sort of watered-down version of the sort of mainstreamization of kind of vice magazine sort of <laughs> you know st- you know fucking swap shop streetwear laneway party urban mm. kind of you know silly slightly retro tinged 
that kind of culture, which was already sort of, you know, five years, ten years past its kind of coolness date at this point anyway, but it's sort of like a, a mainstream version of that, which is like you say, Andrew WK was kind of the authentic version of that from, you know, pre five years earlier than this kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And its music is obviously way better anyway. Oh, look, if, if someone is blasting, um, you know, She is Beautiful, it, that's the sort of song that makes you want to crush a six-pack in about 15 minutes and jump out of a window. You <laughs> Absolutely, know? Um, yeah. And just, you know, go completely apeshit. I don't think there's any song from uh, LMFAO that would make <laughs> me want to do anything than no. maybe... I mean, Andrew WK is a legitimate party expert. He does, like, TED Talks about the philosophy of being a party. Yeah, the two rules is these guys don't. They just put on a stupid haircut. That does not make you a fucking party dude. Yeah, look, worldwide, this was the second best-selling single of 2011, following Rolling in the Deep by Adele. So, look, they obviously know what they're doing, um, and they were co-writers on this, so they uh, may yeah. well be living off the proceeds of this very, to this very That day. may be why they haven't Goon done Rocks anything, just fought, said, Yeah, exactly. One just, album and you're done. Yep, you know. Goon Rock and Red Foo and the other <laughs> Sky Blue, they're just going, yep, we've done everything we need to do. Um, this must have some sublime lyrics, <laughs> I assume, Tom. Yo, I'm running through these hoes like Drino. I got that devilish flow, rock and roll, no halo. We party rock. Yeah, that's the crew that I'm repping on the rise to the top. No lead in our Zeppelin. Now, I mean, he's really owning himself at a frightening rate here. Yeah. Uh, he has the same effect on women as drinking liquid drain cleaner. Yeah. He's mentioning rock and roll twice in four lines, highlighting its total and complete absence in this song. Yeah. Uh, then saying, there's no lead in our Zeppelin, which can really only be taken to mean two things. One, we are absolute dog shit when compared to Led Zeppelin, especially mm. when it comes to rocking a party. And two, we both suffer from impotence. <laughs> Now, those last two statements summarise their music far better than I could. Uh, this is definitely the musical equivalent of crashing a party wearing an I hate Led Zeppelin shirt while proudly waving your flaccid penis. Yeah, look, in much the same way... With an that, afro. Yeah, look, I don't know, Tom, but Lady Gaga's sort of inclusivity for everyone anthem we've discovered was actually... Um, a song about her plan for a master race. Yes. In much the same way as this sort of rocking the party song, it's actually a song about erectile dysfunction. True, yeah. true. Or given that these guys are a, a man and his uncle, it's possible that this might be a sneak subtextual way to try and get teenagers to abstain from sex and drinking yep. by making partying look so desperately uncool that everybody just wants to pack up and go home. Yeah, exactly. Listen to some music on their headphones in their bedroom at yeah. a sensible volume. I think if I showed up to a party and Redford was there, you would just go home. You'd just be like, no, this is not for me. Pretty This is not for me. Sure. Um, absolutely. Oh, right. Well, that's enough that? about those twats. What Good. have we got now? Uh, now for an abrupt gear change, Tom. It's Adele with uh, someone like you. Another big thumper. This is seven weeks. Yeah. This was another bigot. Now, Adele is smart, Tom. Yes. Adele is very, very smart. Boring as fuck, adult contemporary sells records. Yeah, just ask Nora Jones or Dido. Nora Jones, Celine Dion, these people have proven again and again, mm-hmm. you just churn out something pretty bland, pretty generic, and um, you're going to sell a fuckload. Look, oh, she yeah. wasn't young. Like She was a young artist as well at the time, you know. She was never sort of, I'm a young, edgy artist that does some sort of like no. old rock and old stuff and I'm a bit and then as I get older I sort of develop into sort of 
more of this sort of adult sort of contemporary thing I'm growing with my audience. You know, she never leaned into this sound as she got older. She was doing this from the beginning, pretty much. Yeah. Just sort of like, straight off the bat, here's some bullshit for fucking dinner parties and old people. That's right. And I respect that because <laughs> yeah. she's gone straight No, forward. no, I do a bit as well. I do. Uh, look, I know how much you love a piano ballad, Ben. Yeah, too. Uh, if there's one song you love. Uh, and I've got to say, whatever you may or may not like about it, this is the real deal. It is just piano and vocal. Yeah. There's nothing else. Like... I'm not... Oh, damn it, I should have checked that. Is it her playing the piano? No. It's not her, but she does... She did write... But I think she can song. write... I think she can, yeah, but I think yeah. it's a different... A dude in the studio. Yeah, but... Yeah, so, so it could be... Yeah. It could be... It's legitimate singer-songwriter in the sense that she could perform this live on her own with this song, probably. Um, and yeah, and it was the first pure piano ballad to ever top the Billboard Hot 100. Wow. Yeah, and it was... Uh, this was her first UK number one... But it was her second US number one after Rolling in the Deep, which was a big yeah. hit over there. I think that would have been like a number two here or something. Rolling in the Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, she's doing the old Taylor Swift on this one time. She's <laughs> mining past relationships for material for what seems sure. like forever. I think that's a bit of an Adele <laughs> thing. But look, she did split with someone just before writing this song. So uh, I yes. think that was yep. the source material for this. Um, and she did get divorced in 2021, so I believe that the album that she released um, quite recently, uh, oh, okay. she was able to mine that failed relationship mm. for more material. So it's a cursed kind of life though, isn't it, Tom? I feel like you fall <laughs> in love, it doesn't work out, you're heartbroken, but you've got material for your next <laughs> album. But you fall in love, it does work out, and you've got no material for any future albums. So it's like, you're happy in love, but your career's fucked because you've got nothing to write about. Or you've yeah. got great material, but you're constantly breaking out. I have thought about this before, like whether it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy for some yeah. artists. Like I was thinking about Judith Lucy, who has essentially made an entire career out of her stand-up comedy is just about the last terrible thing that happened to her. Yeah. And I mean, while it does provide her an endless string of things to you do stand-up shows about... Live the terrible stuff. Yeah, and also I start to wonder if maybe psychologically, like by endlessly focusing on these things, you are just setting yourself up for this to happen to you again the next time. Yeah, yeah. You know, rather than... Whereas most of it would just... Most of us would just go, well, that sucked. I guess I'll move on. Yeah. You spend, you know, a year in the studio trying to remember every detail of your last failed relationship and then unconsciously you go out in the world and look for another one yeah. just like the one you were just thinking about. You know, I mean, as she said here... Um, uh, it's just sort of about, you know, I met the love of my life and I'll never find anyone like him again, but we just weren't right for each other and I think we just destroyed it too much to ever be able to go back to it again in the future. We completely happened by accident. That's what I mean by glory days and stuff like that in the song. It was never really meant to happen. I don't think we ever felt like that about each other at the beginning and it just turned into it. The first chorus of the last chorus, because it's repeated... I'm actually crying in it, which makes me feel really a bit sort of when I listen to it. But it's really, really beautiful. I don't think I'll ever write a nice or a better song. I think it might be my song. Hmm. 
which is a weird combination of sort of pride and modesty. <laughs> yeah, way, you know? absolutely. But I mean, yeah, it is a good delivery of the work, the vocals. I did. I found oh, myself very, listening to it, trying to singer. pick the bit where she was crying. There's a couple of bits where it sounds like she might be, you know, genuinely affected by what she's singing about. But. Yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. Like, I, I think you're right. Though it is really difficult. I'm sure there's a lot of artists in music, um, film, the visual arts, whatever it may be, that you need that sort of, um, you know, you need the shitty circumstances or you need the poverty or you need whatever. Yeah. There's certainly people that I think sort of, you know, once you've made it, the quality of their work (laughs) deteriorates, if that, you know what I mean? Or then all their albums start to become about what it's like being on tour. Yeah. Because they're not doing anything else and that's the only thing that's fucking happening to them. Yeah. I think Guns N' Roses are probably the perfect example, (laughs) aren't they? Appetite for Destruction's like people that are literally living in a shipping container and, you know, are just living the trashiest fucking dudes and they write a classic rock record and then within the couple of years before the next one, they're all the biggest band in the world yep. they're all millionaires they've got more money than they know what to do with they've all got drug problems and then they just churn out bloated <laughs> bullshit for the rest yeah. of their life so and then before you, you know it you've been replaced by a guy with a 21 piece feet bucket <laughs> exactly. on his fucking head so you're sort of like yeah but that's the thing though do, do you really want to live that life where it's like yeah. I'm in abject poverty my entire life and I'm always struggling to sort of churn yeah. out something you know, I, you know I'm doing something quality but you know or like that um the that uh, Eminem and Rihanna song that we covered a couple of episodes ago which was about sort of domestic violence essentially like I mean, okay, that's that's a that's a sort of affecting, powerful topic for one song, but you really wouldn't want to do a whole album about that, would you? I mean, that's tough times, like spending yeah. that much time rehashing that shit. You know, that's what that's what psychologists are for. Really. Oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, look, it's safe to say this song isn't for me personally, but I do actually like Adele. Um, look, I'm not a massive fan of her music, but I remember seeing her on um, yeah. some of those British panel shows. I was living in the UK, I think. Um, around this time um, either when this album came out or just before with the previous one she was quite funny didn't seem to take herself too seriously no, quite no. light hearted in um, that sort of British way made sort a lot of, of jokes yeah, yeah yeah so I was sort of and it was sort of interesting that she wrote that line of releasing this really serious emotional music that hard on her sleeve this is my real life but yeah. then sort of at least at that time I'm not sure what, what she's like in interviews now but certainly at that time she was very light-hearted and like you know seem like quite a you know someone that you can yeah. easily to talk to and whatnot so certainly yeah always liked Adele because of that so um I'm not sure yeah as I said if she's <laughs> super serious now but I don't know whatever maybe after singing about this sort nah. of shit for 15 years she might be like oh, I'm a bit more <laughs> battle hardened I don't know but yeah I know yeah. what you mean I I sort of find I find it more likable when an artist is takes their work possibly too seriously but then doesn't take themselves too seriously, yep. as opposed to someone who writes fucking, you know, disposable crap and then takes themselves super seriously. Yep. That is a much less appealing combination. Oh, for me. sure. You, know? you should be. You sh- yeah, you should take as an artist. You should take your work seriously, or at least you know put your your most into it. Yeah, when, when talking about you, it, you can yeah. be quite you know. Yeah, hey, I'm or e- it doesn't mean you have to take yourself super no, seriously. No, no, no. You can no. take your work seriously. Exactly, but. and that's yeah, that's the thing. Like yeah. this this Adele approach is my preferred position over your black eyed peas thing, where it's like. 
churning out the worst garbage ever and in the interview it sounds like they've fucking you know saved the planet yeah, or something like the, that the, the, the next 9-11 people need gonna us need you people to need us write to write the theme song exactly yeah. so yeah, yeah. look um, Adele was responsible for Skyfall which oh, I yeah. do like that song I've got a bit, I think that's the best Bond song in many a year yep. I would say since you know my name uh, by Chris Cornell but many people would probably go even further back perhaps to Die Another Day by Madonna or Kid Rock's Wiggity Spice by, <laughs> which he <laughs> wrote for a Bond film that only exists in my head. Um, yeah, unfortunately. I'm spying down the road with my hand on the wheel. Coaching my brain and seeing how my genitals feel because I never take my fucking hand off them. Yeah, no, look, I'm like you. This isn't my favourite style of music, but I do like her and I... Sometimes one of these will come on and it'll just hit me at the right angle and I do, yeah. you know. I mean, also that, who, who doesn't like the first word of the song, hello? Oh, she yeah. delivers hello. that. <laughs> it's a great first um, word of a song. I really wish, though, that David Guetta would um, <laughs> just interject and put, you know, 140 BPMs mm. under this. It'd be so much better, don't you think? Change so, the, what, like, say yeah. the song's got one rude word in it, say she says ass at one point, he could change that to grass yeah, and do a yeah, whole remix, sure. you know, a family-friendly remix. Yeah. So, look, um, Adele graduated from the Brit School uh, Performing Arts and Technology in Croydon in May of 2006. Sure. And she was classmates with Leona Lewis and Jessie J., Imagine that. It'd be such a. I hope they did like a three-piece sort of girl group. Just sort of, that'd be great. Who was Leona Lewis again? Um, she was. Remember, the, like two weeks ago, we had her on there. She won like X Factor UK or something oh, like that. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so we've spoken about her. She looks sort of a bit like a, a paddle pop line or something like that. Oh, she yes. does a bit of erotic piano. So yeah. That's yep. Yep. Um, so this was the most popular karaoke song um, in the UK of both 2011 and 2012. Mm, that's now, ambitious. That's, <laughs> that's ambitious. What I'm about to say. Adele can sing. She's a very good singer. I will give her that. She yeah. has a very good voice. Um, and this is, you know, this song Oof. and most of her songs have quite the vocal range. So I can only imagine how many completely butchered to all fuck karaoke versions right. of this there must have been over that two-year period. Mm. I mean, I, I can't imagine going to karaoke and saying, I'm going to do that Adele song because you're going to fuck it up. Oh, fuck yeah. It's you got to do, you do Crazy Town, don't you? You do that. Come, my lady, come, come. I mean, the original of that sounds garbage, so you can't you do really Cowboy do it by Kid Rock. Yeah, know, exactly. You'll probably actually improve it. Yeah. So the second most popular song was uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe, which I think we can agree uh, is the better song. So yeah. I thought that might have been the number one. That's catchy as a motherfucker. Yeah, that's fucking great. So, she's not too bad. I don't know. Nah. Um, this is off uh, 21. So yes. Adele names all her albums after the age that she was when she wrote the majority of the songs. I think when oh, she okay. composed them. So she was pretty young when she Yeah, exactly. Yep. So she penned these when she was 21. So um, I like it. I like that idea. Uh, takes any need for creativity out of the equation <laughs> when it comes to the new album. I wrote these songs last year. I was thirty-four. Did, Done. Taylor 34. Swift do that as well. Oh, she probably. Know? She probably fucking ate this shit. Yeah, I don't know. But I think it's pretty good. And also, if you don't know which order the you know one of those artists <laughs> that have a lot, you know, like did fucking but you know did Daydream Nation mm. come before you know Sister? I can't yeah. fucking remember. Um, but with with this, it's just like twenty-one comes before yeah, twenty. Yeah. If you can, if you can count. <laughs> You can know which one's the That's oldest. That's true. Although album. there's nothing that says you have to do it in chronological order. No, no. You know? I mean, you might, might be a clue that she's starting to run out of ideas if she starts calling her albums 
seven or yeah. something like that. Oh, like, exactly. You know, She's been getting is... some material from the olden days. <laughs> I do like people that don't stick for things for a while. You know, like Led Zeppelin had like one, two, three, four, then they're just like going five. It's like, nah, it's houses it's the whole. My, my so... favourite one is fucking Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band where they were like, we're sick of being the Beatles. We're going to go into the studio. We're yeah. going to we're going to we're going to dis- d- detach ourselves from the Beatles by coming up with this whole new concept of this. Um, so they invented this band and stuff, and you know, and then like the first two songs on the album are about from the point of view of this fictional band, and then they were like, "Ah, oh, fuck that shit." Fuck it. <laughs> the rest of the albums just back to be the Beatles again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, sure. I you know, I mean, because if they had stuck with that, it probably wouldn't have been as good of an album. They would have stuck no. with this concept just to see it through. And then, yep. then before you know it, you end up in Houses of the Holy by Kiss or something oh, exactly. like that. And nobody wants that. And I'm a, I'm a massive Kiss, fan presumably. of when bands are sort of like, yeah, we've decided to not do an album. We're going to do like three... EPs and then at the end we're going to sort of put the songs to, you know we'll release an EP now four songs we're going to do another one in the year and then another one and they announce this stuff and then they do the first one and then it's just scrapped and like yeah. part two and three never come out it's just like great sorry I just should say there because I rarely pick up my own mistakes House yep. of the Holy is Jimmy Page I think yeah Led Zeppelin Led Zeppelin yep. yeah I'm thinking of uh, songs from music from The Elder which oh. was a Kiss concept album based on a uh, fantasy movie that they presumably thought was going to come out or be made at some point, but never actually came oh, out. Good. So it's a concept album based on a, a film, that, yeah. based on a film that doesn't exist. B, yep. you know. So anyway, absolutely. Now um, Adele uh, this year, twenty twenty two, she won Best uh, Artist at the Brit Awards yep. this year, which is great. Still um, new category. Because they decided to sort of ditch the best male and best female yep. artists and just have best artists. So when Adele accepted her award, she said, I love being a woman. Now, to show how far we've sunk as a society, <laughs> there were a handful of weirdos deemed this to be, quote, transphobic. And there were certain corners of the media, particularly in the UK, I think some of those shitty tabloid presses that were like, there was significant backlash against Adele for oh, saying We read things. one yeah, exactly. on Twitter saying... Exactly yeah. right. So... Um, I don't think there was any real backlash, but certainly some people feel the need to say, oh, yeah, saying I'm a woman now is apparently offensive. And then the media <laughs> takes the next step of reporting on that and saying, oh, no, Adele. Oh, so Journalists think, should be banned from looking at Twitter. I think so. Ever. Well, that's, that's I think, the point I was trying to make, that journalism is not just reading a Twitter feed and saying two people... <laughs> no, it is now. It the Daily Mail is just like two people said this thing, so that represents the opinion of many. So... Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think um, obviously that be- you know getting rid of best male and female and having a best artist award it makes sense. Sure, you know that's obviously what you do in this day and age because it's inclusive of everyone. Fantastic, and Adele, yeah. Look, she probably sold the most records and probably was the best artist last last year. So, good stuff. Um, any lyrical highlights of this? Uh, this was written by Adele with Dan Wilson, who's also written for Taylor Swift and Nas via Weezer and Halsey. Mm. And he's done other stuff with Adele too. Uh, but clearly it's her baby, lyrically. Uh, Never mind, I'll find someone like you. I wish nothing but the best for you to Don't forgive me, I beg. I remember you said, sometimes it lasts in love, but sometimes it hurts instead. I mean, that's not exactly quote of the year there. No. Uh, maybe he was better in the sack or at stirring the risotto than he was at summarising relationships, but... 
Yeah, I think these lyrics are not terrible. They're a little bit unremarkable. Like a lot of her stuff that I've heard, it's really about the delivery, you know, it's about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, generally I'd say if you can convey emotion effectively through your voice, if in doubt for words, just say something heartfelt as honestly as possible from one consistent perspective. Yeah. At least people will identify with it, you know, even if it doesn't sparkle with wit like Morrissey or something, you know, at least mm. people will go, yeah, you know. Sometimes it does last in love, but sometimes it does hurt instead. You yeah, know? that's true. I mean, you can't argue with that statement because, you know, some might say that's because it's bloody obvious, but by the same token, she's obviously speaking from the heart there, so, you know. Oh, I've had worse lyrics on oh, this show. Oh, fuck yeah, absolutely. At least spoken. it's about a thing that happened to her. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> not, rather than just not, something that someone made up. And when, yeah, when Or when Honey it, got some boobies like, wow, 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 <laughs> you know. <laughs> Might be the worst one we've had this decade so far. Uh it's it's probably you know I hope I hope when Will I Am dies, so it's just it just says Will I Am, previously known as Will One X, and it says under there, honey, you got some boobies, like wow, 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 so, and then maybe a picture of some tits. I might get that on my gravestone, honey. So why not? Um, cool. All right. Anything else to say about no, that? No, no. So, up next, 15th of August for eight weeks, it's uh, Gautier and Kimbra, somebody that I used to know. Yeah, another fucking massive hit, another two-month hit, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie, Tom, this song, it's a bit of a sore point for me personally. Um, We've had a few lawsuit songs over the years that we've spoken about. True. People claiming a cut of a popular song because it had, you know, two of the same notes or like three words of some bullshit they wrote two decades ago that no one's ever heard of. But I wrote and released a song in 2010 that, well, let's just say it was very, very similar to this track. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, titled Some Cunt That I Used To Bone. And uh, I sued, and it was thrown out of court, and the judge said, there is no possibility anyone has heard this so-called music. <laughs> and that Harsh words. still hurts. Harsh so words I'm, not, I'm not sure that I can talk about this song objectively, Tom. But Perhaps he just didn't like the language. He might not have, yeah, exactly. So um, that aside, though, are Gautier and Kimber the John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John of the 2010s? <laughs> Well, from the song, uh, it seems that they don't like each other very much. I no. hope their 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 attitude is a bit more cordial. Yep. Because uh, this song is not exactly uh, Willa Willa Willa. <laughs> exactly. Tell me more. Tell me more. No. Did for she sure. give you permission to have sex with her? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's more consensual in this song, and I think that they're sort of oh, they seem, No, but it's yeah. it's more uh, antagonistic. Oh, I mean, yeah. This is this is definitely about after the relationship, yes. not the uh, will she let you finger her in the back of your car? Exactly right. Stage. Exactly. So, look, what's the story of these two? First things first, um, Gautier, it's not his real name. It's um, Scrotier. <laughs> um, they said that wasn't commercially viable stage name, so we had to change it to Gautier. And same with Kimbra. Her name's um, Warren Von Bibra. Um, ran a car yard at Launceston for, yeah. for several years. So Yeah, um, as anyone from Launceston will tell you, it's not a good idea to fight a legal battle or indeed any kind of battle against Baron Von Bibra. No. Because that guy lost his mind in the war on prices decades ago, running yep. around speedy tyres car park at 2am with a neck lace made of ears. 
exactly. So consequently, Kimbra changed her name to Kimbra. Yeah, I think instead. so. That's the. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to win a war on prices. I think people don't. No. We don't, don't talk consider about, the human cost. We don't think about the human cost. We don't talk about those that fought a war on prices. They come home and try and live in a society with regular prices and they mm. just can't assimilate back they in there. So. Yeah. so Gautier was born in Belgium. Oh, okay. Moved to Australia when he was a child. Um, Kimber is from New Zealand. Um, I once cut in front <laughs> of her unintentionally in line to get a drink at a, um, a museum <laughs> gallery exhibition opening <laughs> night thing. Sure. So apology. I'm sorry, Kimber, if you're listening. That was not intentional. <laughs> I didn't see you there. Um, I would have let you go ahead of me had I had known you were behind me. So apologies mm, for that. Mm. So look, this was definitely what I'd call a sort of out of nowhere hit, yeah? I mean... Uh, Hit-wise, yes. Yes, yeah. Um, Gautier was gaining some traction at this point, as was Kimber. They were both sort of in the hipster yes. music scene of the time. Yeah. But, yeah, for this to just suddenly become a fucking international massive hit was yeah. strange. Like, that was weird. Yeah, I think that's that's what sort of what I mean, that sort of Gautier was sort of rocking the Triple J alt crowd. Kimber probably yeah, doing something even, similar or some other more stuff. more like sort of art... Sort of yeah. art sample rock, you know, yes, like yes, kind of yes. like the avalanches or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. So certainly, um, but yeah, wasn't wasn't really what you'd consider to be a mainstream artist in no, Australia. No, he's also um, a one man show. Yeah. Basically, he pretty much does it all on his own. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. This wasn't just like, oh, this is broken through the sort of alternative music and become a number one hit in Australia. It was also a number one in the UK mm, on the mainstream yep, and the US. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, Gautier and Kimber were not known internationally no. at that point. Um, and, yeah, as I mentioned, he sort of had a few singles. And I don't know if Kimber had even released her first album at this stage. She was still sort of just releasing a few singles and mm-hmm. a couple of cameos like this thing. So, And this is what I think you would call a viral hit. Yes. And by that, I don't mean like a viral hit in 2022 where a major <laughs> label has made a TikTok video and just like film that and then put a dance in it and they've cut 30 seconds off and then done like a Mm. made it into an Instagram video and then put something on Facebook and put it on every social media site (laughs) and then basically made everyone share the living shit out so it's like Mm. oh it went viral on social media before it became a hit and then we find out six months later that they've been signed to a major label and it was all some sort of bullshit or something goes viral like oh it's a dude on a fucking skateboard you know (laughs) it's like okay great you know this was like a legitimate sort of I think word of mouth getting things passed on it was sort of early days of yeah. early-ish days of YouTube like YouTube had only been around five years so it wasn't sort of like you know it's as big as it was today so you know it wasn't pre-planned I think to the extreme so this is I think recorded at um, at Gautier's house uh, he made the video himself paid for that himself wow. um, got a guest spot from someone that you know Kimber wasn't famous at no. that time so just sort of someone that fit uh, the bill and look he was basically sort of like let's just see what happens with this I guess and yeah. the next thing you know yeah it took off so yeah he'd, like you say he'd had a few songs on the radio like he'd been playing around the traps in like you know in Perth and stuff yep um, but but I mean yeah the, yeah to, to, to go from that to this and like like you say by contrast to that sort of fake viral shit uh, Gaugier wrote, produced and played this thing himself like the rest of the album except for the samples and the Kimbra bit. Uh, he said, I started with the Louis Bonfa 
sample, which is from a song called Seville from 1967. Then I found the drums, and after that I started working on the lyric and the melody and added the wobbly guitar sample. A few weeks later I came back to the session and decided on the chorus chord progression, wrote the chorus melody, and combined that with sounds like the Latin loop and some of the percussion and the flute sounds that further fill the space. At that point I hit a brick wall. I was thinking, this is pretty good, how can I get to the end really quickly? And I was trying to make lazy decisions to finish the song. I considered repeating the chorus, bridge, a change in tempo or key. I even considered finishing the song after the first chorus. But nothing felt like it was strong enough. So the third session was all about writing the female part and changing the perspective. The arrangement of somebody is reflective of me moving towards using sounds that provide me with inspiration for a texture or a platform for my idea and then coming up with my own original melodies and harmonic ideas to make it my own. I guess the balance of sounds taken from records and samples I created myself is perhaps 50-50. So he's saying, you know, it's about half someone else's samples and half samples of my own playing. Uh, He doesn't mention the other major borrowed component of this song, which is Baba Black Sheep, played on a xylophone. I never noticed it before, but that's 100% there right from the start. That's the ding, 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 which is how the song starts. But... Like, that's that's kind of why. Like, I really like the song, I have to say. With the 90s long gone in the rear view, it's nice to see that the pop charts can still occasionally make room for a really unusual outre Oh, yeah, hit, of course. You know, not just to be number one, but to become so huge that people make endless meme tributes to that video, you yeah. know, and those two arty weirdos get to be world famous even if only for six months before yeah. disappearing again. And I think it also really shows the difference between essentially just using someone else's melody but redubbing the words as we keep seeing over yeah. and over again and what he does here which is taking parts of songs and collaging them into something legitimately new like this is not a cover of Seville or of Barbar Black Sheep it's some strange original new thing with a weird song structure and a strange vocal line which is why it's stuck in people's brains so much I reckon yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah, look, exactly. And I think that's the thing with sample-based music and we're so far behind in terms of legality and the creative process sort of melding because you do see things like this and, you know, we've spoken about the avalanches before where, you know, they, they've they literally created something out of just throwaway op shop <laughs> records that no one yep. gives a flying fuck about yet when you try and get these samples cleared, it's like, oh, well, you've used three seconds of this thing from 50 years ago that no one cares about. We want this outrageous sum of money. And it sort of gets to a point where it's like, this isn't Lady Gaga who's lifted basically the melody from Express Yourself. (laughs) This is sort of, you know, Gautier and the Avalanches and, you know, DJ Shadow and those sorts of dudes. It's genuine collage. Yeah, exactly. Taking bits from things that aren't well known and trying to... Put them into a whole yeah. new genre of music. Well, like and that's fucking why. like Billie Eilish, like using the bloody, you know, the Australian traffic stop pedestrian walk. Oh, okay. Thing, sample of that to make, you know, what is it bad to put in bad guy and stuff like that. You know, yeah. if you do that, then you don't need to pay someone to make oh, a exactly. sample if you can just keep your yourself. original up. Or if you can make Barbara Black Sheep into something, that shit's out of copyright. You can have Barbara Black For sure. Yep. <laughs> um, obviously, um, Kookaburra sits in the yeah, old gum trees. Yeah, don't use that or they'll yeah, sue they'll, the fuck, fuck you up. So. <laughs> um, look, you know, looking at all the dance, we've had a lot of Eurobeat sort of shit this week and a lot of dance 
heavy track. Yeah. So this is um a lot more. Even though you mentioned a lot of samples in there, this is more of a minimal sort of affair. Oh, definitely. Of, it's a very uh, what yeah. the word analog and yeah, lo-fi. Yeah. By so it's it's a complete contrast to those other songs we've had. Um, and also the chorus doesn't kick in for ages. You know, there's quite a long mm. intro for this. Kimber only shows up in sort of the back half of the song, so it's sort of hard to pin down when you look at what the general public were with this other shit. We want this Pitbull and J-Lo shit, or we want this, yeah. uh, you know, party rock anthem. It's, you know, it's hard to look at this and go, oh, there's <laughs> nothing, can, you know, similar yeah. about these songs. So that's why it's such a unique sort of thing, I guess. So, yeah. There was a period in the, uh, just to get a bit graphic design, there was a period in the, uh, from the early 90s through to the late 90s when... People started making, I think fucking train spotting and shit was really influential. People started making book covers and magazine covers. They just started to go, fuck, we've got to stand out more on the shelves. Let's just make everything fucking day glow. Oh, Let's just yeah, make yeah. everything as bright, absolute high contrast as we can get. I've still got books on my shelves that are like <laughs> fluorescent yellow title on a fluorescent pink background yeah. with a fluorescent green picture or something on the front of it, which has nothing to do with the book. It stands th- out. It just to make it stand out on the shelf. And what happened was it, it gets to this saturation point where... If everybody fucking does that, Nothing then out, the yeah. only the thing that stands out is a black and white cover. Yeah, yeah. Then that stands right out. So what I'm saying is, if everything in the charts is the loudest, boobiest, yeah. craziest, you know, wackiest shit that you can possibly have, then if you do a sort of lo-fi, weird little thing, or like Adele, like a simple black and white video of someone one person singing a song about a thing that actually just happened to them then it stands out like dog's balls yeah you know, oh, for sure. after the last 17 semi-identical auto-tuned max martin productions about falling in love in the club yeah then, exactly you know, and i think you can say the same thing about the music video i mean it's, yes um, exactly stop motion painting action you Lo-fi, know, i'm sure you you've know. seen everyone has it's been streamed um 1.9 billion times on youtube yeah so that's a lot i mean that's um, nearly as much as fucking no it has yeah. <laughs> the party rockers <laughs> in the house tonight look it's really memorable it's not it's not what i'd call a great music video like it's it's super memorable like yeah. him getting painted in the stop motion and they can like it's sort of I don't, you know, watch it and go, that's um, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. But it's certainly iconic, I think. And it sort yeah. of serves the purpose of people go, oh, I remember that video yeah. as well as, as I the said, song. It's so. stuck in people's heads enough that it became a briefly memeable thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there's like a Simpsons version and, a, you know, there's different people did their own little versions of it. Yeah. You know? Now, Gautier Tom made the decision to not monetize his work on YouTube. Mm. Which how, is, how do you mean? Well... He uploads his videos onto YouTube, and at the time, back in 2011, and probably his prior work as well, you get the option of, um, do you want to play ads before your music videos, oh. or any video you upload? Oh, I remember when that so, was optional. So he, yeah, I don't think it is now, it clearly isn't. Fucking but, um, it isn't. <laughs> but um, he selected to not do that. Ah. So... Some would say that's admirable. Others would say that's fucking stupid, depending on what side of the fence you sit on. Now, as I mentioned, the video's been viewed just shy of 2 billion times on YouTube, which would have netted Gautier a purported $10 million um, that he has missed out on by not monetizing his video. Yeah, do the maths on that and see what Google, what YouTube I guess you still have your integrity. Um, Anyway, but look, it's it's one of those weird things because I know that I read a couple of quotes about Gautier saying, look, there's so much advertising in 
the world. I didn't really want to have more advertising. I didn't want to be associated with that sort of thing. But Good look, it's not like if he had have taken 10 grand to have this song used in a shitty commercial for a Honda <laughs> Accord or something, then I can understand that. Because yeah. it's like, your song is now associated with that thing forever. Yep. Um, but having YouTube ads before your songs, I don't think, you know nobody really goes, oh, that song's associated with this shit or whatever. So, well, they certainly don't now because no. they're there whether you want them to be or not. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. So it's not, think, it's not the same as doing a fucking laundry detergent commercial where people yeah. are dancing around singing your song. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'd just hate to see Gautier busking in the mall at some <laughs> stage because he's short of cash, knowing that this has been streamed two billion times and... <laughs> all of that money that he could have earned has just disappeared <laughs> off into the ether. So, well, I don't know. I'm assuming he must have got something for this. I mean, people do... Not off lo- YouTube, but yeah. Look, not yeah. off YouTube. I mean, people liked this a lot at yeah. the time. It came out in Australia at this point on the charts, but it continued to climb the charts in the US and the UK through 2012 and 2013. So yeah. it was still selling two years later. It was ultimately certified 14 times multi-platinum by the RIA. Yeah. So that's... So the ho- he's sold... Hopefully he's got a lot of money through digital sales. sales, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, maybe he didn't monetize it because he didn't need to. I mean, I respect that. I don't think the video would have been improved by opening on... But he, I'm sure he did crystal. I'm sure when <laughs> he made it, though, he had no, someone said no, to you, dude, no, this exactly. is going to get streamed two million yeah. times, you know, get your two cents of yeah. each view. Like, if he hadn't known that, he probably would have been like... Okay, yeah, maybe we can <laughs> buy a couple of houses, but yeah, at the time. Maybe I'm we sure. should both have a bottle of branded tequila hanging out of our ass yeah, or something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If I'm painting on the wall, why don't I just paint a big Coca Cola logo? Yeah. But yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's a bit weird. I, I would, I'd call this the crash test dummies effect in the sense of this is such an unusual song with such a weird lo fi. Yep inexpensive video that it's impossible to imagine that either he or Kimbra could have thought that this would ever be a massive international It'd number one. Billions of times, You'd be yeah. nuts to, to assume that. It's too weird. It's too, yeah. you know, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, so what's happening to him these days? Um, so look, um, Gautier hasn't actually released an album since the album that this song came off as a solo artist. Oh, as so, a solo artist. Okay. So for the past 10 years or over at this stage, he hasn't released any solo work, but he continues to record and tour with his band, The Basics. Okay. So he still does that. So he's still actively involved in music. Kimber also continues to release music. Um, mm-hmm. I guess both of them are working outside of the mainstream pop charts. Um you know, I don't think they probably ever really had any interest or thought that they no. would be in the mainstream pop no. charts. So this would have been good exposure for Kimber at the time when she was starting out. But, you know, she's obviously doing her own thing now. Um, I hope that Gautier was able to buy a house off this. <laughs> yeah. Has some studio in there. That he's just able to record his music in there. So, yeah, look, that's what they're up to these days. This was certainly a, um, yeah, one of those, yeah, unpredictable number ones, which yeah. shows that occasionally... The charts can throw up something that you don't go, oh, yeah. fuck, that's just the same boring bullshit. Also, like the dude from the New Radicals that we mentioned a while back, I do think there's something admirable about people who get to sort of glimpse a level of fame long enough to maybe go, nah, that makes me feel a bit shit and doesn't suit me creatively. Yeah, absolutely. At all. I'll just sort of, I'm happy to just pay off the mortgage and step back behind the line rather than try and recreate that like I'm, I'm happy to just work at this level you know it was that was a rad fluke and I'm happy to take the cash but I'm not going to try and recreate it I'm, I'm just I'm oh, good yeah. with this I'm sure Gautier <laughs> could have done another solo album the two years later trying to 
do something really similar to this and you know yeah, do it, but he yeah. Didn't do that, or so. tried to lean in a more poppy direction and yeah. try to yeah hey my brother saw him live around this time oh yeah uh, might have even been before this came out but he said that he seemed like a very a person who was not comfortable at all in front of a crowd of people oh, okay. especially given that this whole album was as you say basically recorded in his bedroom yeah, yeah. you know and it, maybe he just didn't like that he didn't want to be, you know, yeah, at yeah. that, you know, in front of people that. Often. But you re- you write and record music and think I'm going to be playing this in front of 200 people maybe or 100 yeah, people or yeah, you know, and I'm, exactly. I'm happy with that and that's great. And then all of a sudden you've got <laughs> 20,000 people at a festival singing and you're going, oh, this isn't, you know, yeah. you don't really love it as much. So yeah, um, lyrical highlights. Uh, Gautier stated that the song was, quote, definitely drawn from various experiences I've had in relationships breaking up in the aftermath and the memory of those different relationships and what they were and how they broke up and what's going on in everyone's minds. Um, So when we found out that we could not make sense, well, you said that we would still be friends, but I'll admit that I was glad it was over, but you didn't have to cut me off, make out like it never happened and that we were nothing. And I don't even need your love, but you treat me like a stranger and that feels so rough. No, you didn't have to stoop so low, have your friends collect your records and then change your number. I guess that I don't need that though, now you're just somebody that I used to know. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons that it was a hit, is because the thing it has in common with these other cheesy-ass pop songs that we've been yeah. talking about is that now you're just somebody that I used to know. That one line, yeah. it's not a kind of yell-along chorus, yeah. but it does serve that same function of this kind of universally yeah. universally uh, acknowledged emotion of that feeling of that switch between someone that you were deeply in love with at some point and yeah. now they're just a person that you used to know. Like, it's sort of... There's a kind of profundity and simplicity sometimes, you know, and yeah. Exactly right. Exactly. So, no, for sure. For sure. So, no, that's good. Um, on, Kim, on, on one of Kimbra's subsequent solo albums, she co-wrote a song with the guitarist from the Dillinger Escape Plan. <laughs> no, so, she, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's keeping it real. Yeah, she was always <laughs> the kind of hip. Yeah. For sure. So, um, yeah, anything else about that one? Uh, no, no, that's it for me. All right, so that was, um, I think, eight weeks of that one. So up next for, uh, I think, just one week is uh, Kelly Clarkson, Mr. Know-It-All. Mm, um, now, this sucks shit. Um, yeah, yes, that's true. Right. That's Axel reminding us that <laughs> Kelly Clarkson is one of our yeah. remaining... Um, now uh, reality TV. This is a weird TV. one. For a start, it sounds dated as all fuck. It sure um, does. I thought it may have came out in 1998. <laughs> like I had to double check. I was listening to the same right song. I was like, yeah. "What the fuck did this come out?" It's it sounds like terrible. A diet Sprite, Alanis Morissette. Ten oh, years God, later. God, it's fucking whack as I hell. I think j- just the giveaway. The song also is available in a country version, oh, which yeah. sort of wraps the whole sad story up in a convenient Kmart digi pack. Absolutely. If you're wondering. Look, I didn't spend too much time. I don't want to like on the Kelly Clarkson story. No. Um, as you mentioned with the give us some reggae she won the first season of uh, American Idol in 2002 yeah um, so at this point she's been doing shit work for 20 years um, she had a bunch of top 10 hits in Australia but mm-hmm. this is 
her first number one. Yeah. Um, so some of the other songs she had included the song Breakaway, which featured on The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. <laughs> so we know that was a good yeah. one. But, some, um, have, yeah. uh, some have called her America's Guy Sebastian. <laughs> and by some, I mean me just then. <laughs> just then, yeah. uh, the main... And I've said it too, yeah, so it's yes, the two of us just... Right. Yeah, no. The main difference is that Guy's song, I believe, was in Princess Diaries 3, Too Old for Andrew. <laughs> or, uh, or it might have been Princess Diaries 3, for Snoop Vegas Gangbang, I always get those <laughs> yeah. two films confused. But both yeah. very good. She does. There is a certain thematic resemblance to Guy Sebastian. Yeah. In in the sense they don't sound that similar, but I would I would rate their talents as about equal. Yeah, but I'd say that's <laughs> and fair. Their assessment. their relevance and their uh, sense of being weirdly displaced in time yeah. as well of listening to a Guy Sebastian thing and going. This could be 1994 or 2014 because yeah, exactly. he's wearing the same jumper with the popped collar underneath. And, and the music is so bland that it generic, sort of just fits yeah. into any time. Yeah. Period, so, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, look, the song sucks. The music video is also boring. Um, it was directed by Justin Francis and features a wall of doubt in the background. I don't know if you saw that I did the music notice, video. Yes. Um, in which derogatory headlines about Clarkson have been posted from various news newspapers mm, over there plastered all over yeah the plastered wall. all over the wall to sort of give her some sort of like this is my wall of doubt and that's going to spur me on and encourage mm. me um and include if you zoom in it includes um one that reads dumb cunt releases total shit which was a headline <laughs> from my short-lived newspaper the daily Invermain. so um if you look at that one so that was my review of yeah. one of her earlier albums yeah um, i missed sure. that one but i but yeah i mean they're not even real headlines because uh for a start she hasn't appeared in any for eight years at this point yeah so it's just computer printout of fake headlines that aren't even really bad like yeah. why is kelly clarkson still single and when is the new song coming out yeah. uh, i don't know if these people ever saw a tabloid newspaper before but you do not get on the front cover unless you fall down the stairs leaving a methadone clinic because you're crying about your divorce and your pants fall down so everyone can see your lipo scars. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's not a good sign that the most interesting thing in this entire song and video combined is that for maybe 0.8 of a second, Clarkson is using some sort of Sony-branded internet TV <laughs> yes. remote control with a keyboard on it to browse web pages on her TV, which was apparently the high-tech future of 2011. Yeah. At first, I thought it was a BlackBerry, yeah. which would have fitted perfectly with the weird decade late vibe of the entire thing. I just <laughs> that's why I was like, "Oh, that's a BlackBerry." That's a no, no, it's not. It's some weird, yeah, Sony fucking thing. Anyway, the absolute best product placement that I love in music videos is the technology that just never took off. Yes, that's, exactly. Just complete yeah. garbage. So, and the other thing about that is like you do watch. <laughs> I mean, this is a thing like. We've spoken shit about Michael Jackson before because, you know, he's obviously a pedophile. But you watch, um, you know, something like the Thriller music video mm -hmm. and that's like a timeless, like, look, at you know, we've, we've put yeah. in this sort of, you know, he's got the dance routine and there's the whole zombie fucking thing and people go, you know, you can watch that in 20 years' time and go, oh, you know, that was a cool idea and they did yeah. it. And there's a heap of other music videos throughout, you know, as we spoke before about MC Hammer, Too Legit to Quit. You can watch that today. You can watch it in 20 sure. years' time. It's great. It's timeless. But a lot of these ones that are heavy on the product placement like in 10 years time people are going to just watch I mean like yeah. this we watch this and go what the fuck is I can't remember anything apart from the music video apart from this bullshit like <laughs> sort of weird 
Kelly Clarkson trying to surf the internet on her TV. It's not just dated, it's distractingly dated. It's like when someone pulls out a pager in an old film and you're like, hang on, what are they doing? Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're going to fucking... Yeah. Yeah. Or that fucking... What's it? That Kesha video from a couple of weeks ago where she's on... The, the DJs at the nightclub are on plentyoffish.com. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're supposed to be DJing a concert. Instead, yeah. they're on the world's cheesiest, low-rentest dating site, yeah. you know. Or like when Kelly was trying to send Nelly a text on an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I mean, you just look at this and it's sort of... The product placement pays for the video at the time, but it instantly dates it. So mm. it has no longevity. No one's going to look at the, That's what's right. the best video of all time. A lot of people are going to be not looking at those ones. And no. going, well, actually, it was a pretty good video, but then there's about eight product placement things <laughs> that just made it fucking garbage. So look, anyway, um, Kelly Clarkson, apart from this song, she also appears in the film from Justin to Kelly, Tom. She sure does. Which um, at this point has been in IMDb's Bottom twenty films of all time for two decades at this point. Yeah. So, so it features Kelly Clarkson and uh, Justin Greeny, who were contractually obliged to participate in the movie because of their commitment to American <laughs> Idol, which they, you know, she won, and I, I don't know whether he came second or whatever, but yeah. So you know something's going to be good when the com- participants are only there due to contractual obligations <laughs> arising from something completely unrelated. Mm, and so, if you haven't seen the film, their white hot sexual chemistry really does say uh, contractual obligation oh, yeah. all over it's, it. It is horrible. So in fact, I, I I had to check this on the internet, but their level of chemistry was such that I assumed that one or both of them was gay. Yeah, yeah. But I think they aren't. I think no, they're, they're, both they're both straight. They just yeah. have that level of chemistry yeah, and exactly. acting skills. <laughs> yeah. So Clarkson begged to be uh, allowed out of this, which is a good <laughs> sign. She's just one X Factor, and she's like, great. And they're like, you get to record this album. She's like, oh, great. You know, I'm looking forward to doing that. Oh, you also have to be in a major Hollywood motion picture. And she's like... <laughs> Fuck no, I want to get out of here. Um, this The film actually set a record for the shortest gap between theatrical premiere and home video DVD release, 29 days. <laughs> wow. So it was released in the theatre <laughs> and the distance between opening day mm. and when you could get that as a DVD was less than a month. So it shows like I mean, it's easy to take the piss, but it does definitely go to show how fucking uh, far down reality TV has sunk from the glory days of what 2002 that part of the prize was not just winning a TV competition and getting a legitimate if not really deserved by your level of talent musical career but also appearing in a theatrically released movie yeah that went to the you know that cost millions of dollars to make I mean at least a few million dollars to make not on on Justin's salary but you know they probably got paid in some hats but still I mean like I I think the members of Scandalous were given um, 20% off crab sticks at the local (laughs) hot chip shop in return for their their fame but yeah Yeah. unlimited twiggy sticks from the worst deli now, right. does this have any lyrical highlights? I um, assume it does. Well, this was written by Esther Dean again. Oh. As already mentioned good. this year. Good, good. Dante Jones, Brian Kennedy, and Brett James. Now, none of those people are Clarkson. So, 10 years out of Idol and still no desire to write her own songs. No. Uh, on the plus side means you can't blame her for lyrics like, Mr. Know-It-All, will you, you think you know it all, but you don't know a thing at all, ain't it, ain't it something you all... 
when somebody tells you something about you, think that they know you more than you do, so you take it down another pill to swallow. Great. Now, I mean, we've had some sketchy lyrics on this podcast, but I think that's legitimately the first time I've ever heard a song start by rhyming the same word four times in succession. Yep. yep. That's all, 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 all <laughs> you do swallow. Mm, I mean, it's an interesting rhyme scheme. I'm curious to see where it goes. Oh, it goes nowhere. It's piece of shit but yeah I'm, I'm not getting a lot of respect for Esther Dean she's no, not coming out of the gate particularly strong she's here. awful all the songs she's written we've <sighs> talked about thus far are terrible oh look can we please move on to something with a bit more artistic integrity Ben we can um, this next one is for uh, six weeks Tom it's uh, LMFAO are back <laughs> we sexy and I know it and Jesus fucking Christ this is worse than the last one <laughs> Um, now this, I think technically it isn't a novelty song, but it's as close to a novelty song yeah. as one can get, I think. So it's sort of like, um, yeah, I guess you have the novelty song thing and then you're trying, <laughs> you've got, you've got like a magnet, two opposite things and you're trying to push it together so they can never yeah. quite touch, but it's think, as close as I you can get. I think this asks a, another question, which is like, can you be a novelty act yeah. that doesn't release novelty songs. Yeah. You know, like, like can you... That's true. If you're a, if you're a gimmick-based band, does that mean all of your songs are novelty songs or are they just normal songs released by a gimmick band? I mean, it's, yeah, it's look, hard to say. That's, really. a fair, that's a very fair question because you're right. They are definitely a, a novelty band. So, does yes. it... Yeah. They're, they're shtick-based. Like you say, this guy was around for like 15 years. Nobody had any interest in him. So then yeah. they, they tripped over this... Some some guy had this party shtick and they were going to give it to Flo Rida. He didn't want it because it's dumb. And they went, yeah, we'll grab that. And then it somehow clicked and then they were stuck in that mode for a whole year. It drove them crazy. They never wanted to talk to each other again. And that was the end of their career. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. look, all I can say is thank fuck they're on hiatus, um, hopefully permanently. But yeah, look, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you probably... Maybe, maybe this is a novelty song. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't... You know, a novelty song, I think of like, you know, that Bob the Builder bullshit. Yeah. Or like Crazy Frog doing some crap. Or like, yeah, or you know, the Macarena. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, this is, is pretty fucking... I know bad. what you mean. It's as... It's almost... <laughs> it's as close as you can get, sort of. Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, once again, just if anyone in the audience is bored at work one day, take a moment, pause the podcast... And imagine touring the world in a party rock dance band which consists of just you and your uncle. <laughs> just any one of your uncles. Any just pick one, an uncle yeah. or an auntie. Now, in case you think that's not weird enough, then also imagine that you will be appearing in a music video with your uncle and you'll both be wearing nothing except for tiny leopard print budgie smugglers yep. and flopping your dicks around with a forthright vigour last seen in MC Hammer's Pumps in a Bump video, yes, which true. essentially ended his career. Yep. Oh, and Ron Jeremy will be there wearing a G-Shock watch because it was 2011 <laughs> and some traditions had to be legally observed in order to make a video. I forgot about it. <laughs> That. <laughs> just not sure how much 
much dick waggling I'd want to do in front of any of my uncles or indeed anyone in that world at all. Nah, look, <laughs> I guess in Redfoo's defence, though, he didn't have an erection like MC Hammer did in Pumps and Above. No, but, um, no. Well, I mean, it would have been did, pretty sure. difficult to maintain one with that level of waggling. I mean, yeah. this is basically just a dick waggle off at the end. Although there is, I'll give one guy credit, there's a one some backup dancer who, when they're doing a walk-off in a, another 2011 shout-out, which is Zoolander, obviously. Yep. Uh, there's one backup dancer who's wearing shorts uh, with no top on, and he does a one-handed uh, sort of... Uh, he one-handed break dancing handstand, oh, yeah. and then with his other hand rips his shorts off stripper style to reveal underpants. That's true. On one hand, so that's that's more interesting than anything else the band do in the entire oh, video. Definitely. It's a bit like that Kelly Clarkson thing. You, your brain start becomes weirdly focused on minutia when the song yeah. is boring the piss oh, out exactly. of you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So look, the bit in the middle of this song where it's just red food going wiggle, 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 oh, yeah, Jesus, wiggle, yeah. wiggle, 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 yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> some of the worst music I've heard this side of Will I Am, mm, and it's, it's you know it's like the group into... was only put together for some of the worst attempts at dance crazes since Lost Del Mar. So it yeah. feels like let's do a wiggle fucking bit and we'll that's get a what dance I mean. craze. It's out. like they're trying to get drunk teenagers at parties to yeah. To, in a feedback loop where they buy your shit and then you do more drunk teenagers parties and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Look, can you remember a few years ago when um, Red Foo uh, <laughs> decided to, well, was selected to be a host in Australia for one of those shitty TV shows? He was he was like um, a judge yeah, on like... Yeah, yeah. I never, never watched those shows, but I think he was a judge on X Factor or something like yeah. that. Um, and so he was in Sydney and he was at a bar and someone threw a glass at Red Food. Can you remember oh. that? <laughs> no. And he had to go to court, I believe, the person that tried sure. to glass Red Food. Um, and look, the judge was asked, you know, was there any provocation mm. for this sort of thing? Now, I'm not sure what happened. I think the person ultimately was convicted and hopefully it was just a minor <laughs> fine or whatever. But I think that if the, you know, the person had a good lawyer, that when the judge said, was there any provocation, you just have to play this video. <laughs> and no jury would convict, I think, based off that. They would say, yeah, mm. you're right. That guy was within his rights to throw a glass at Red Foo because that music is some of the worst shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I mean, contrary to what people in other countries seem to believe, Australian pubs, certainly outside of the deep, rural, far north Queensland areas... Uh, very civilised places. You have to work pretty hard to get someone to throw a glass at your head in a bar. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, you would have to be... Unless that person doing it was deranged, which is possible, but pretty unlikely, it seems more likely that he was being very, very annoying. Yeah. Which, when you watch these music videos, is fairly easy to imagine. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, so, look, who knows? Maybe he was trying to party rock a little bit too hard and waggling his dick at some... Guy's girlfriend. Or oh something. no doubt. No I'm doubt. not saying you should definitely throw a glass at his head if you see him next, but I'm saying you know a full can of piss. Look, I know. think I think if um, you're in a situation where um, you know a loved one is being held at gunpoint, and the <laughs> gunman says to you, "You need to throw a glass at someone in this bar." <laughs> Otherwise, mm. we'll kill. You know. Yep. So pick someone. You got to pick someone. And red foos at that bar. Yeah, wearing his That's who you're shades. picking. Oh, that's definitely. who you're picking. Yeah. You know, nine times, <laughs> not a, not a, not, ten times out of ten, Tom, that's who I'm picking. So. Look, for what it's worth, um, 
I like this better than the last one. Jesus. That's a very low bar. <laughs> um, like, it's obviously meant to be. I'm saying, you know, it's obviously meant to be a ridiculous joke, which coincidentally is how I like to remember LMFAO's entire career, <laughs> all twelve months of it. I mean, I mean, unless unless he actually thinks he's sexy and he knows it, in which case he needs imminent, immediate restraint and sedation for the safety of both himself and those around him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, lyrically, this is credited to George Matthew Robertson, 8KY, Audiobot, Aaron Beck, Listen B, and Red Foo. Yep. So half a dozen people were required to write this bad boy. Check it out, check it out. Wiggle, 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 yeah. 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 Do the wiggle, man. I do the wiggle, man. Yeah, I'm sexy and I know it. Ah, uh, yeah. You're so, right, that is better than the, the other ones. Mm, I mean, I'm glad they didn't have merely five people, but they brought the extra guy on board for that. But yep. yeah. No, I'm not saying it's any good. I'm just saying at a very basic level, for some reason, I find this slightly less annoying than the other one, but it's a fucking close run thing. I'll tell you what. Oh, absolutely. Anyway. Um, good. So that was number one for fucking ever. All right. Um, up next is uh, Reese Maston. Good night. <laughs> Axel, look, we'll get to you later. Last song of the year. Uh, we yeah. have some reggae in a minute. <clears throat> now, look, I thought we were through with this shit, but apparently not. So did I. Um, yes. Reese Maston won the third series of the X Factor Australia in 2011. Oh, he won, did he? Yeah, he was oh, the winner. I thought he was a runner-up. Okay. Uh, won that. Um, this is his first single. It's fucking terrible. Sure. Um, and he hasn't done anything of note for close to a decade. Sorry, that's not entirely true. His 2015 track, Even Angels Cry... Made it to 124 on the Aria charts, so there you go. Imagine being in the studio with this dude as he records even Angels Cry and being too much of a pussy to say, bro, that's a fucking terrible song name. Even Angels Cry? Christ. That was released as uh, the third album's lead single via a Twitter campaign, Mm. which drew thousands of retweets of um, album snippets that people loved the most. So people retweeted that this is the song snippet they liked the most as the next single to be released. Um, seems they didn't bother taking the time out um, or the next step of actually listening to the full song in any format as it couldn't even crack the top 100. Yeah, professional journalists on major news organisations take that as an example of what the value of a fucking tweet from in some random twat is worth. Yeah, exactly It's right. not worth buying a copy of a guy that you've you know voted on the best part of a song for so imagine what value it has on real world events yeah so anyway but I think he did actually have a couple of other minor hits yeah possibly even another number one but we'll we'll see I guess we'll find out look Um, what did you make of this song well from the point of view of someone born locked into the least imaginative uh, musical mindset possible and permanently 10 years out of date of what's going on in music like say an Australian recording industry executive for instance I could imagine looking at this guy and thinking, hmm, but maybe a rock and roll Justin Bieber could work. Oh, yeah. You know, if we gave him the same haircut, he's 17 at this age. Yeah. 
Technically, maybe it could work, but if it did, he would probably need to be able to, for instance, actually sing, which is where Reese Maston falls at the first hurdle. <laughs> uh, the scary part about this is that I'm pretty sure they've used auto-tune in its original intended sense here, oh, and yeah. he still sounds like off-key ass. Yeah. I mean, then again, he was only 17 at this point, so it's quite possible that he was still going through fucking puberty. I mean, I sounded like Mr. Bean until I was about 19, so maybe I shouldn't be throwing stones in that department. <laughs> But, yeah, then again, I didn't try and get on the fucking you pop charts. You weren't so, trying to be a yeah. mainstream uh, musician. No. So. No. Um, yeah. Uh, look. So the song itself, like, the, what? We, how would you describe this? It's, it doesn't, does it fit into pop punk or is it just shitty pop rock? It's sort it's, of, yeah, I'd say it's pop rock. Yeah. With that sort of fake, you know, let's get back to business kind of yeah. rock attitude that served Shannon Knowles so well. Oh you look, know. it is fucking hot garbage. I think that's safe to yeah. say. This is um definitely definitely not uh, for everyone or probably for anyone. <laughs> no. um, look, in 2015, Tom mm. um, Maston appeared on the ABC show Tattoo Tales. Ah oh, yes. Um, on the show, they referred to the Maston curse, as everyone on the show um, in that particular tattoo parlor who had tattooed Reese in the past mm-hmm. um, ultimately ended up getting fired. <laughs> So if you tattooed Reese, you'd get fired in the end. Sure. Sounds like a great horror film, wouldn't it? Except everyone that you know tattoos Reese Maston dies. Mm. I think that'd be a great film. You tattoo him, and then that maybe the tattoo jumps off the arm and attacks you. I'm not sure. I'm there was still, an X Files episode. Still a work in progress. So the 20 year old singer at the time appeared on the series, um, which is filmed uh, Bondi Inc. Um, Bondi sure. Beach in Australia. So you know it's going to be good. Um, and he got the design of his grandfather wearing Indian war makeup and a wolf headdress. Um, now, to the best of my knowledge, his grandfather is not Native American um, mm. in any way, shape, or form. Is that a good tattoo? Yeah. Granddad, I, I'm getting a wolf fucking... I have thing. a feeling he probably didn't ask his granddad first about whether <laughs> he wanted to be either a tattoo or a fucking Native American. Yeah. Even his granddad would probably be like, dude, that's a bit off these days, <laughs> isn't it? I saw a thing about it on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, he he was born in Scunthorpe in the UK, possibly yeah. the shittest name for a town in so the world. So his dad might be Native American. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not really Australian either, and I'm sick of these bloody poms coming over here and taking our jobs on reality TV. Yeah. Not that I would ever go on X Factor. I'd rather push radioactive wasps up my nose. But we can produce our own annoyingly precocious teenagers here, thanks, Reese by the way, and I'm calling him that in an attempt to annoy him because he cleverly changed his name from Reese Maston to just Maston uh, as a way, I think, of deflecting from his X Factor days um, originally. So, yeah, nobody will crack that devious uh, code. Yep. Um, in case you're wondering what he got up to after this, uh, let me say that this will not be the only time we'll hear from Reese. I think. Hopefully his next song will be better than this low-wattage pop rock stuff. I mean, I guess it's not produced by Dr. Luke or Two Days in the Valley and contains instruments, so that makes it original by 2011 standards, but that's a pretty low bar. And Reese runs right into that bar at face height, knocking himself unconscious and doing a wee. Yeah, no, exactly. Look, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Now, look, as you said, Tom, he did that thing where he did change his name to, ah, to, yes. to Maston. Now, um, and look, I think you're probably right. I think you probably did it. And we, 
had someone last yeah. week, a few weeks ago, that wanted to distance himself he, from the X Factor days. He said it had actually, he had actually ruined his career. The other guy said that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he wanted to do. Although that. that was the same guy who wrote um, "Feels Like Woe." So oh, yeah, that yeah shit I'm sucks, not sure yeah. whether it could but have yeah. really hurt his career. But, but I think if you if you're changing your name, Tom, for either you know for distancing yourself from mm. from X Factor or for whatever, the question is, you know. Um, is the change from Reese Maston to Maston, is that distancing <laughs> yourself enough from X Factor? Because I don't think it is. I think what you need to do no. is you need to you need to choose a name that's either inter- really interesting or engaging that people go, oh, you know, I'm I'm enticed by that name. Yeah. Or it needs to be so different that it's sort of like, oh, you know, yeah. I really have no idea who this is. I listen to the music, I like it, and then I get into that and then go, oh, it's really, I didn't expect that for, for yeah. him. Or I guess you've got to change your whole shtick, like your style of music and your appearance and your whole look yeah. so much that people wouldn't naturally associate the two with each other. You exactly. Know, they wouldn't think, oh, that's probably the same guys. Yeah. But Maston, M-A-S-T-I-N, is not the most typical surname no it's not it's not you know for sure now, if it was Jones then you thought well that's not necessarily the same guy but exactly you know, look he hasn't know. he hasn't said my name's Reese Mass and I'm going to go the full Johnny Diesel and change my name <laughs> to that and Johnny Johnny Diesel is a good one because you know it's completely different from his actual name of Mark Lazar and what I like about Johnny <laughs> Diesel is um, he's got his band The Injectors that's mm. a, if your name's Johnny Diesel and your backing band's The Injectors that's as fucking good as it gets and what I like about Johnny Diesel as well is he's sort of he's like I'm Johnny Diesel mm-hmm. I'm Diesel yeah. I've halved I'm down to that and I'm also Mark Lazotte so he go, <laughs> he'll, he'll tour around and he'll change his name uh, from Casey yes. so his fans will be like oh I haven't seen Mark Lazotte for a while and mm. they'll go to the show and go oh no that's right I actually saw Diesel two weeks ago at this same venue he's just doing the same <laughs> bullshit but you know so he tricks people into yeah. coming to see him again maybe which is that's great. what Shannon Noll so, needs to do yeah. he needs to change his name to Gary Bundaberg yeah. the shot glass havers Exactly. Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> so with Reese Maston, he's ch- now look, he's failed here, hasn't he? Because A, Maston is not interesting. Yes. So he's failed on that front of having yep. something interesting that engages people. B. Two, it's just called Maston, which reminds people of Reese Maston. Not so it hasn't enough exactly. To, yeah. It hasn't it's not different enough. So what he does is he needs something that I think is bold forward thinking it's a name change that's going to entice people it's going to get people interested in his music it's going yep. to get people to come along and check him out because it is something that's completely different from his other material which is why if I was him I would have changed my name to Maston Bader <laughs> now I think that would have been unique yeah. it stands out <laughs> And as someone, personally, I couldn't give a flying fuck about any of his music, but if I'd heard that Reese Maston had changed his name to Maston Bader, I'd be there, front row, next show, going, what's this guy going to do? What's it going to be? It should be interesting, it should be exciting, it should entice the audience, it should tickle their fancy. Now, we haven't done a Kickstarter or any sort of crowdfunding on this show, Tom, but I think we should reach out to Reese Maston's people and say how much money for Reese Maston to ch- sorry Maston how much name for Maston to change his stage name mm. to Maston Beta for a full calendar year they give us the sum yeah. we reach out to our fans con- get that through crowdsourcing give it to Reese he has to change his name to Maston mm. Beta for a year and then we see at the end of that 
that might actually help his career. Is he getting more people to shows? Is he getting more yeah. money? Is he getting more downloads? So I think that's you know what I would have done. I Certainly think, not Maston. That shit's whack. There's one other option. It's like yeah. I mean, he could. I mean, it's to be a new experiment in music, but he could change his name to uh, Reese Masturbating. <laughs> Say you know using the first and last syllables of his surname, and then claim that Reese Masturbaton was a parody, uh, a parody singer who was taking the piss out of you know X Factor artists such as Reese Maston, and then see whether it was possible to get more musical credibility being a parody of himself than actually an X X Factor winner. Definitely. (laughs) It's a tightrope act to sort of... You've got a better reception at a country pub being someone cruelly mocking yourself than your actual self. If he called himself Reese Maston Bader and got up there and just performed <laughs> Reese Maston songs, um, yep. it's sort but of like the lyrics a jokey sort to, of... Yeah. I think it works. It works for me, definitely. So, food for thought for Reese. Mm, um, a lot of career options oh, there. I think whatever manager said, just change it to Maston. I hope they're fired. I hope they're fucking <laughs> yeah, dead. That's that atrocious. Was, that's a terrible... It's atrocious, idea. yep. You've got to change your name to either, you know, yep, something real out there. <laughs> Um, or oh fuck I don't know whatever <laughs> dude sucks song sucks mm. it's all shit uh, lyrical highlights uh, this was written by DNA songs along with Haley Warner a Ooh. fellow idol uh, participant who was lost in one of the early rounds but went on to become one of Australia's most successful songwriters uh, she went from writing this which was her first hit um, all the way up to the dizzying heights of world famous artists like Jay Waitford, Regan Derry, <laughs> Callum Scott and Jojo before uh, in 2017 reaching what some would call the pinnacle of songwriting achievement, a song for Nickelback. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, lyrics she came up with here such as uh, I'm just looking for a good night, oh, I'm not looking for the right time, no, what I really want to do is shut you up because all you do is talk and talk and that's enough. Now, what the fuck does that mean? Who cares? Yes. I'll give Haley credit because she's seen the songwriting on the wall and it's saying that if you want Katy Perry or Nickelback to buy your song, you need a big, fat, dumb, shouty chorus that drunk people can yell, framed in a vaguely oppositional context that teenagers will respond to because the world's against you when you're a teenager, just like how your stepdad won't upgrade your iPhone. Oh, my God, he's such a loser. You don't even know. Yeah. And in that sense, and in only that sense, this song does work, I think. With just that chorus of, I'm just looking for a good night, oh, I'm not looking for the right time, no, you know, I reckon that's what got this to number one. Again, we're talking, it's just shouty choruses at this point, that's all we've got happening. Absolutely, that's great. That's my theory. Oh, I love it, (laughs) really good. Um, So yeah, actually, Tom, after this for one more week was LMFAO with Sex, you know, they came back another week after that. And then the year was wound out with two more weeks of um, Reese Maston oh, Goodnight again. God, so it's um, a real shit off, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, for the end of 2011. Um, so that's all the songs. Mm. Tom, the biggest song of the year not to reach number one oh, okay. was um, Maroon 5, Moves Like Jagger. Yeah. So <laughs> it could have been worse. It I could mean, have been so much worse. God, now, now you're forcing me to do mental arithmetic. Of, is that worse than Reese Maston Baton and Red Foo? Oh, um, it is difficult because <sighs> moves like Jagger is it's fucking abysmal. Yeah, but I think um, it might be better than LMFAO. 
on points. But even then, I mean, God, God, that's a tough one. <laughs> fucking yeah. Devil. Well, best song of the year, obviously, is Gautier because it's the only one that's a real fucking song, pretty much. Everything else was either a copy of something else or a copy of a copy of a copy of something else. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, except maybe Adele, which is, you know. Yeah, that's a real that's song. That's well. But yeah, there's sure. so many huge ones this year. All great big two month long hits and stuff. I mean, Absolutely. You know, Look, is this we'll the be way back. of the future? We'll be back next week. Uh, sure. Probably, probably not next week, to be honest. <laughs> it takes, takes me a lot longer to write these notes these days. But uh, we'll be back in due course with uh, 2012. Yes. Um, so look out for that. Sure. Um, was that one of the years that people predicted the world would end? Was that one of the ones? Yeah, I mean, there, that there was the a few one, going around at the time. Yeah, the Aztec calendar. I think yep. there was an awesome John Cusack film that heaps of people definitely went to see. <laughs> named <laughs> Good. Safe to say it didn't, um, which is fortunate because uh, we got to listen to some great songs next week. Um, <laughs> sure. Shouldn't be all good. All right, thanks for listening. Um, go on to the... Uh, Instagram page there will yeah. just be a photo on there you can send us a PM on there if you want to ask us any questions or and do if some you want bullshit. to travel back in time two hours and follow along with the actual music then there's the YouTube links in oh, the yeah. description there'll be a YouTube uh, playlist yeah you can so, watch yeah. all the bullshit clips on there as well I should have so said that at the start and I forgot but it's all good alright <laughs> okay. thank you see ya I can't resist that big red button that's too, that's too, 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 too. Oh, it's hard to not I got it working again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>